Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You know, there's a difference between working hard and working smart. And I think I proved it last week when I went 4-0 against the spread on this podcast. And now I'm going for 8-0. The difference is um, I work smart. I didn't really work hard. I just kind of made the picks and pulled them out of my butt. This, this week, I'm working hard and smart. ZipRecruiter has the tools to make hiring more efficient and effective. It's the smartest way to hire. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. But the tech doesn't stop there. It even learns what kind of candidates you like, invites more to apply. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. TheRinger.com has all kinds of football, leftover Golden Globes, some Oscars, a great Katie Bakes piece. I would go there if you like reading smart stuff. Rob Mahoney wrote about Kevin Lovett. I thought that was good. Kevin O'Connor wrote about what the hell is going on with the Sixers. You can check that out. And then the Ringer Podcast Network. So I did five pods this week. I apologize. I'm sorry to give you all this awesome free content. My bad. We did the rewatchables, Unstoppable with Quentin Tarantino. We did the Book of Basketball podcast with Steve Nash. I made him watch Game 4, 2007, Sun Spurs. And then obviously the podcast we did here. So, uh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, I'm just giving you good podcasts. Um, really good week this week. And we're capping it off with Mina Kimes and Mallory Rubin together talking all kinds of football stuff and a little Bachelor too. And then Joe House and I are going to do million dollar picks. Going to try to actually win some money this week as I'm guessing what happens in the games correctly. That's all coming up first. Our friends from Pearl Jam. Okay, Mally Rubin is here. Special guest Mina Kimes is here. We we didn't plan anything out. We're just going to talk about round two, round Wonderful. one, round three. Joe Burrow. Mm. Actually, oh, yeah. I watched, I think, the most college football I've ever watched this year. I watched like 13 quarters. Mm-hmm. That's a lot for you. And the, jo- the Joe Burrow-Tom Brady stuff really hurts my feelings when they just compare when they, them constantly to Tom Brady. I'm it's like, a really the, weird comp. You, you think best it's, quarterback of all time? Can you settle down? But Yeah, uh, it bothers you because it's unfair to Joe Burrow It's also now, inaccurate. Right? It's like a very inaccurate comp to me. Yeah, yeah. He, like he can move around and do stuff that Tom Brady hasn't been able to do for five, six oh, years. But it got me thinking about Tom Brady, and we were texting about mm-hmm. um, old, man, <laughs> old man Tom Brady, who was on the ESPN shows. I was watching PTI yesterday. And they kind of have to lead the show with it, but nobody knows anything. Like, what do you think is going to do? I went on Levitard this morning with the same thing. What's going to happen? Nobody really knows, mm-hmm. but it's just going to be the story that doesn't go away for 10 weeks. Mm. What's your mm. gut? So my gut is this. I think this is a very well-orchestrated three-month PR playing the public type thing because he wants more weapons. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to leave, mm. but he wants to make it seem like he's going to leave. So it's it's like a marriage. It's a 20-year marriage where he's basically saying, now, I'm going to move out. I'm going to move right. out unless this changes and this ch- I'm I'm going to go. Here's my suitcase. Right. And unless it changes, he might actually leave. But I think everyone will cower and they'll go sign, spend some crazy money on some free agent wide receiver. And I'll be like, look, we got your receiver. Mm-hmm. So Here's you, more money. You still think he has the leverage? No, but the question is, does he? Because right. Belichick might be like, let's let him go. 
What else? We'll sign Ryan do? Tannehill. We'll be fine. They're not going to. Tennessee's going to keep Tannehill. Here's the nightmare scenario. They somehow trade up and draft Tua, mm. who needs one year probably to fully heal. Though it seems like he's ahead of schedule, doing well. Brady stays for one more year so that he gets to kind of you know the graceful exit and thing on and things on his terms. Farewell tour. And then Tua can learn from him. And there is a seamless handoff from mm. two decades with one player to two decades with another. That's the nightmare scenario. I don't think they have the draft assets to Probably do it. Not. Because even if Miami, if some team leapfrogs them, you got a bunch of teams that need quarterbacks picking right after What if Miami? this is where we find out, though, that Patricia has been a plant all along? <laughs> and the Lions make Love some this sort theory. of indefensible trade. Love this theory. Um, well, he almost traded for Gronk, and Gronk yeah. sniffed it out and blocked it. That was a year and a half ago. Nowhere makes sense for Brady. I I, I keep hearing people talking about the Chargers. Yeah. You think Brady wants to play behind that offensive line? Like, I know they have Keenan Allen, but why would he do that? The only place that makes football sense is Indianapolis. And mm-hmm. I would say Tennessee, zillion. too, if they don't bring back Tannehill. They're going to bring back Tannehill. If they don't. Yeah. So, I guess so. Like, what if Tannehill gets some offer for $20 million a year from somebody, and they're like, ooh. Well, they can franchise him. Yeah, they can. They can franchise that. tag him. Yeah, to Tannehill. Yeah, Tennessee's got leverage. If he doesn't want to accept like a two or three year deal, they can just control whether he stays. Oh, I forgot about that. I can't see Brady in Tennessee. I don't know. That's just even one with of those his bud. Things. It just Rabel? doesn't. Yeah, there's some Pat's DNA there. I know, but just DNA. in terms of. So my fear. First of all, <laughs> Kyle, Kyle's so upset over there. Kyle hates this. Poor Kyle. The, so if it's just like a. I just want to be stroked for three years and pay me a lot of money. The Chargers make by far the most sense because they have this new stadium that's going up next year. Right. It's, mm. it, this is happening and it's allegedly going to be open by July, but it's going to be ready for the football season. They're trying to sell all these seat licenses and they're right. trying to sell the suites because the way they built it is shitload of suites, mm-hmm. seat licenses. Let's try to rake in as much money as we can. How are they selling like a single Chargers seat license? Not... There are actually some Rams fans here, and you yeah. could see it even at some of the home games. There's no Chargers fans. Like, there's none. And they and they don't have a player. They don't have a player to put on a poster. So my thought with them is they give Brady three years, $85 million, and at least it's people like my son would be like, oh, yeah, Tom Brady's on the Chargers. He can't name a Charger right now other than Keenan Allen. I see why they That'll be the move. do it. Why would Brady do it? Other than if he truly is motivated by money, I guess— that makes sense. But, but that's never than, been his thing, yeah, right? You know, thing. he's always accepted less than he's needed to for the way his deal was structured. I don't want to in any way diminish the value of Tom Brady's name or brand. I obviously understand the magnitude of Tom Brady as a force in sports and, and culture and Thank what you. that would mean. You're welcome, Thank you. Bill. Thank you. And what that would mean. And of course— I recognize how his lush new mane Thank would play you. Thank on you. the Southern right. California billboards. This, this is what I thought we were going to talk about. <laughs> we are. We're getting there. I, I have, we're getting we have there. three pages of notes on we're this subject. We have, this is what our text exchange was about. <laughs> there, Three pages of notes. I think that's the same number of inches that Tom Brady's hair grew in the rain on Saturday night against the Titans. Is it more the, the length Titans. or the color that it's bothers all of you? Because it's, it's the, the color thickness. that bothers me. It's just like a pelt. It's um. not even like human hair. It's probably not human hair. Anyway, quickly, before we get to the hair. <laughs> While I understand the force that is Tom Brady, from the Chargers' perspective, 
If you're moving on from Phil Rivers, who is not Tom Brady, but is a franchise icon and legend, hmm. isn't the way you justify to your fan base that you're moving on from Phil Rivers by saying we're going young? We're he's bringing a, in the but new— But he's a legend to who, though? They're ready to they move on. They don't have on. any fans of anymore. Of course they're ready to I, move on. I, but from a marketing Listen, perspective, Phil from Rivers a strategy perspective, yes. when you when you turn that page and you reset, isn't the way to do it by saying we're going to draft someone, we're going to no. bring in somebody young? You think that saying you can come watch Tom Brady when he's literally 45 is the way to get people to buy tickets? I don't think people like the national consensus is that Brady is good. I don't think a team that's moving on from one old quarterback wants to go to another exactly. one. Even if it's Brady. Yeah, that's my point. Like, But you guys, you're looking at this as a football thing. Right. From a business. I'm, I am talking about this as a Los Angeles thing. What does Los Angeles do? They gravitate towards stars. What did the Lakers do with mm. Kobe the last couple of years? It's like, here's a lot of money. People will come to see you because you're a celebrity and you're a star. That's really the only chance the Chargers have to get anyone to come to a game. But it's if like, there's, here's our celebrity who plays for us. Yeah, but if there's one place where a slightly past his prime celebrity is not a novelty, it's Los Angeles. I don't think they have any option either way. You might as well get a famous person. I, that would be my argument if I was in the Chargers for an office. Because if somebody was like, how are we going to yeah. sell tickets? Right. What's your plan? I'd be like, I don't know, dude. Um, we sign, Maybe draft Tua? Could we do that? And just point to him and be like, we got this guy and he's going to be healthy and awesome. The next two years of quarterback classes in the draft are just so phenomenal that I don't know that you can lock yourself in for multiple years to somebody who's who's literally going to be 43, But they're not going to be bad enough. The Chargers, about. they have enough talent on both sides of the ball. They're never going to be bad enough. They're not going to be bad enough to get Trevor Lawrence. They're not bad Certainly enough not right Lawrence, now to get but to. That's the thing about the depth of the draft class is even if you can't get Burrow or Tua or next year you can't get Lawrence or Fields, you're in the running for Eason. From oh, Eason. You want to oh. see someone oh, you hook, hook, hook his own leg with a fish hook? Jake Crom's your guy. I'd rather have Cam <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm the Chargers. Can I, I make the for case Cam? for the Chargers? Sure. I think they're better than you think they are. I, I would say they badly underachieved this year, partly because their quarterback was awful. But like, yeah. if you look at their skill guys, and their Eckler— Gordon, yeah. Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams are better than anyone on the Patriots no, 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 from Skill Guys. That's part of the point. So go get a quarterback who you can build around and actually contend with. What about for Tom years. Brady's hair? You can't build around that. For for you want one year of Tom Brady, sure. But you're saying a three year deal. That just seems if the Chargers are trying to contend over the next three years, that seems like a miscalculation. But are they trying to contend or are they trying to survive in LA where nobody that's gives a question. shit about them? That's the part I don't know. But that's the whole meta narrative around Brady is Aren't there's the football linked? conversation and there's the business conversation. From a football conversation, there are very few teams, I think, that would Right. significantly upgrade by adding him at this point, including the New England Patriots. So I've right. I've come to grips with this. I've been thinking about him a lot this week since I've spent two <laughs> decades of my life. And I use the analogy of it's like soccer, mm -hmm. where in soccer, my daughter's team plays like this, which drives me crazy sometimes, but like the possession teams in soccer, where you start out from the back and it's got to be just all these perfect passes in a row and you're trying to string together like eight, nine passes to create an advantage. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's this degree of difficulty to it. And if one thing goes wrong, if the ball bounces the wrong way or whatever, all of a sudden you're starting over. With Brady, the fact that he can't move anymore, uh -huh. mm. which wasn't totally a disadvantage this decade for, again, in big games, because they always had the Gronk card. Edelman was a different guy at that point. Brady was so smart. He'd go at the line. Everybody was smart. They, they could audible fast and be like, you know, do this quick. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden, Edelman's cutting in. Edelman. Um, <laughs> once 
once you put all these new guys and he loses the intelligence advantage, mm-hmm. right. if you're a defense and you're playing the Pats the way they're constructed now, like think about Seattle last week. Mm-hmm. I know you think about them a lot. Mm-hmm. But like I'm playing Wilson. I'm going against the worst running backs on the planet, right? I'm not worried about the Seahawks running backs at all. Sorry, Mina. But I'm worried about Russell. I'm worried about him scrambling on 39. I mean, it's just always in my head. I, I have to keep guys in. With the Patriots, you don't have to do anything. It's just like, just cover their dudes. It's not like he can run around. It's not like he can buy time. Mm-hmm. If we can just cover people for three seconds, they're screwed. That's what perplexes me so much about the Patriots and how they were built this season. Like, they knew that coming into this year. They knew that their only hope with Brady was the Blitzbeaters, yeah. the intellectual side of the game. And they didn't add receivers. I mean, I guess Antonio That's why Brown. they ended up getting Sanu, though. And they then Sanu didn't fit guy. in at all. And they, they that was exactly why they got him. They're like, oh, right. here's this really smart guy who can, and he, who they, can he just can figure it out. Weapon. And then they thought Harry could be this mm-hmm. guy who could run 15 yards downfield, put his back on somebody and catch balls in traffic. And him and Brady never clicked. And I just, I... I really thought they were going to lose last week. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I picked them by one on the pod, but I was just like, we're screwed. This is the worst possible matchup. Yeah. I don't know how you fix the Brady thing. At this you, point. If the answer is get him incredible weapons, isn't that the answer for 20 quarterbacks? Right. I mean, if you switched Brady and Breeze mm-hmm. this year, same rosters, same results, I think, for the teams. Probably, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, with these old guys, we're at like a weird inflection point in the NFL. All these old guys look real old. It's true. Including Drew Brees. And if you can't move around at all and, and buy time and do the stuff that Deshaun does, it's really a disadvantage in the way football is played now, you know? Yeah. I mean, this stuff is obviously always cyclical. And as soon as most teams start going in one direction or trying to copycat or mimic one thing or draft based on the model that another team has established, then there's an opportunity for the new market of inefficiency to become the thing that used to work before. I just don't know if any of the guys we're talking about right now are going to be around long enough to take advantage of that when it happens. Then you're talking about the next era of player who fits that mold. But I think what's interesting about the young quarterbacks who are who are in football now – but or in the NFL now, but also who are coming up through the college ranks, is that even the guys who you wouldn't describe traditionally as dual-threat quarterbacks are able to do what you're saying, which is create offense, to innovate in some way. Buy to, an extra second. Yeah, out of like Mahomes. To move in the yeah. pocket. Like, he yeah. looked, the only point during the season where he looked vulnerable was when his ankle was messed up. And right. He wasn't able to throw on the run. Now, he's not, he doesn't have to run. He doesn't have to scramble. You don't have to build and design runs for him to be effective. Right. But he can do it. Yeah, he's like a magician when the way he can create. And then even, I mean, of course, that ultimately fuels the the myth and the legend is that even with ankle injuries and then a dislocated kneecap, he's still able to in some way do that. And when you mm-hmm. remove in any way that one aspect of his game and you just have to assess his pure passing, you're like, oh, this guy's definitely just the best passer in all of football. We kind of forget about that. Occasionally, this is. I'm going to talk a lot about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. This is part of how I'm processing the the Ravens. Are you ready for? I, I mean, have, you know, it's going to be the best AFC championship. Wait, we're, we're talking about other games in a second. Can we? Let's just get Brady Sarah out of the way. <laughs> let's do it. Let's just do it. He refuses to. <laughs> I mean, it reminds me. Okay, before I was in sports, I was in business journalism, and one of my early jobs. I'm not going to say the name of the place I was working. There was a guy in his 60s who had gray just full gray hair. One day he just comes in jet black, Mm -hmm. just jet black mane. And everybody was like, are we, can we acknowledge this? Do we have to just pretend like this isn't happening? And I do wonder if 
the Patriots players feel the same way. Like everyone just has to pretend it's a thing that's not happening. He's clearly dying his hair. I think. Oh, it's it's the darkest it's ever been, and it's the healthiest it's ever looked. It's a mane now. It it is. It's it's like as as lush as any forest. I mean the the thickness of it, the depth. I actually I don't know if I would describe it as the darkest it's ever been, but it's like hmm. multifaceted. The color yeah, there's like palette, a skunk streak on the top. <laughs> Like a darker black. It's really re- remarkable. I just don't know why he doesn't wear so the nervous. ski cap on the on the bench. He, he's proud of it. He look, it looks. I great. think he is. Yes. I think his wife's like, "Your hair's so great. I'm so glad we did whatever we did." It's like I texted you guys. This is the one Patriot scandal ESPN won't touch. Diegate. I think. I think. Diegate. <laughs> It's right there. We're all afraid to talk about it. Well, you know what exacerbates won't let it? Me. It's just the the mark that the pads from inside the helmet leave, right? So, like, a lot of it is about angles and the play of the light on each follicle. So some of the patches of the hair are, like, flatter because they've been pushed by the helmet pad. Mm. And some are, are kind of standing up and blowing in the wind or the rain. And so you, you see these, like, different hues and tones. I think it looks great. Like, the no judgment Mallory here. I think he looks yeah. wonderful. I, I support Tom Brady and anybody out there who is looking to lean into any new choice about their own personal aesthetic. For example, Bill, I have decided to accept the fact that at 33, I'm going to just somehow have stripes of gray hair on my entire head. And I'm like, you know what? Fine. Maybe I should put on a helmet and see how the tones and hues of my hair change. But that's the opposite of what Brady's doing. You're confident in your maturity <laughs> and age. I think I'm just too lazy to do anything about you it, don't, to be imagine honest. Imagine if, like, a young Mallory Rubin, the Jimmy Garoppolo would be the analogy here, comes wow. into the office. Nicest thing anyone's ever said about me. Young Mallory Rubin. <laughs> no, like, I meant, like, a, you know, clearly... This all happened yeah. because of Jimmy. I mean, it's true. It's, it's definitely true. We, we, the younger woman came in, yeah, and yeah. yeah I mean, there thing. was. A, I I can't repeat what I said to you in the the text because I would be immediately canceled on the spot. But I th- I'm not trying to psychoanalyze Brady, but I think we all know why why this happened. It is fascinating though that he's hitting all the beats that almost like an actor would if yeah. there was. Mm-hmm. A TV show where the aging superstar on the show is starting to try to figure out how to hold his spot. Like he's mm. trying to defy the aging process. I, I think once you get into yeah. your early 40s with sports, it's basically impossible. LeBron can technically do it because he's only 35. LeBron has more miles on him than anyone right. who's ever played the NBA, but he's still in his mid 30s. But Where Brady is now, it just is stopping to seem conceivable. I'm really worried that he's going to have like just, a Howard Hughes style. No, just like a really bad <laughs> last year. Cause I, I almost feel like right. it's like boxers or something where the boxer, you look at all the great boxers, right? They have to get mm-hmm. knocked out a couple of times mm-hmm, before right. they end up finally retiring. And Peyton Manning was like that the last Denver mm-hmm. season. He wa- he still wanted to come back. That in 2016, he's like, please, anyone sign me. It never ends. I mean, didn't Tom Brady Sr. famously say, this isn't going to end well between my son and the Patriots? I don't remember when that was, but I don't believe I'm misquoting him. I think that's just like, that's the nature of sports and the competitive spirit. And I think we we tend to talk about it more and focus on it more with the true icons and superstars because it is, even though there is, uh, there is, 
precedent throughout history, not only in football, but in other sports of saying, okay, well, I am going to go finish for another year or two, you know, elsewhere, whether it was Favre or Manning or Montana, like there are plenty of comps for something that seemed inconceivable and does seem inconceivable now with Brady, where it would just be ultimately part of this rubric that we've seen a hundred times before. Well, they but don't ever want to walk though, away until they have no choice but to acknowledge that it's and always always the only one. Yeah. Well, but he, he won was, the last Super Bowl and he's like, I'm good. But mm-hmm. Marino, Marino was the guy I was the most scared of as a kid. He was, we, me and my buddies who, when we were all gambling in the late nineties, we would just bet against Marino in every big game because he couldn't move anymore. He was like a mummy. The thing with Elway though, is he was different from the beginning. You know, think yeah. about his right. draft situation and the way that he tried to control his own circumstance. It's cold. It's freezing in here. It's usually boiling in here, like but it is shaking a little bit. Here. And I realized it was because we've the cold, never figured out the nervous. temperature in here. It's either way too hot or it's way okay. too cold. We're trying to okay. mimic the circumstances I mean, of being out in an NFL playoff game <laughs> in January, but it was a different era too. It, it was. But so if you, but if you think about like what the kind of ingrained essence of these people has always been Tom Brady's the TB12 guy like he is the guy who has always said I am going to prove that what you think is not possible is like that's been his goal the whole time and so I think it would be foolish to think that he's going to move away from that at this point why would he until either circumstance or some sort of outcome makes him accept or believe that there is no way forward anymore. And I think that's cool. Keep trying to play. Go for it. You're Tom fucking Brady. Do what you want. Well, especially like if you're (laughs) Kyle, love that. (laughs) Especially you could talk yourself if you're Brady into this whole thing where you're like, man, we suck this year. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Like by the end of the season, teams are double teaming Julian Edelman, who was like a shell of himself the last like three or four games. And we have to play. We've put Edelman all the way wide just to get him in space and this was like our best option because I literally have nobody else to throw to. I could see him talking like, wow, one more year and if we got more weapons. The thing is about the Patriots, maybe this will bring us to the the Titans game. You mean the Ravens game? The money went somewhere. The NFL is a salary cap. It's not like the Patriots didn't spend that money. They had an elite defense. That defense did absolutely enough in that game. If your defense is holding uh, Ryan Tannehill to 14 points and what, 75 <laughs> yards, that's enough, right? Tannithrill. Brady in literally every season before this one has that like one or two drives that should be enough. And so I know we're saying, oh, Brady needs more weapons. Brady, yeah, you get those. It's going to come at the cost of something else. Mm-hmm. So if you're Tom Brady, would you rather play with the elite defense where you only need one or two great drives? Or would you rather have some weapons? I think and, he'd rather have that. Right, because it'll make him look better. Well, you go back well, to the it, Rams. It, that sounds cynical. The Rams Super Bowl. No, I think you're right. It, it, I think he's done everything he has to do. Now he wants to put all the records away. Is mm-hmm. my, now it's him versus Breeze for all these things. Would you say it's things. Tom versus time? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you go back to the Rams Super Bowl That's last year. 13 points. Yeah, yeah. Second two, half two of the— drives. Right. And then this whatever, and it's like, this is kind of where we are now. All right, let's put a bow on this. Where is he next year? New England. New England. New England. Okay, we're taking a break. Hey, chances are you've heard of Salesforce, but if you're like a lot of people, you don't know exactly what Salesforce does. Well, here's a simple answer. Salesforce brings companies and customers together. How does it work? With Salesforce, different employees over your different departments, like Steve in sales. I wonder if that's Steve Bishop. Mary in marketing, Katie in customer service, even Ian in IT, they all get a single shared 360 degree view of your customers. That means two things. First, whenever your customers talk with Steve in sales, 
I-N-N-E-T. Don't feel like they'll ha they're having a real relationship with one united company, not a series of disconnected departments, which is important. Second, even more important, it means that Steven Sales, INNIT, Katie Customer Service, Mary Marketing, they have everything they need to make your customers happy. Not just a little happy, happy like, oh my God, I love this company. They really get me. I'm never going anywhere happy. That kind of happy when your customers are that happy, everyone's happy. That's how Salesforce brings companies and customers together. Makes sense. To learn more, visit salesforce.com slash learn more. Back to the pod. All right. We're going to go through all the round one games. I'm doing a million dollar picks later oh. with House because I'm still not sure on one game. I'm not ready to do it yet. Which game? Packers Seahawks. Niners Vikings I'm confused by. Oh, interesting. Niners okay. are going to smotion. That's that's yeah. where I'm leaning, but something about it with the whole Jimmy G first playoff game, Niners feeling mm. great. I think the Niners are the best team I bet on them win the Super Bowl, but I'm worried about mm. the first half of that game. You think the Niners are better than the Ravens? I bet on them to win the Super Bowl. I, they had the best odds. Uh, They're four to one. They might have the, Super Bowl. the best odds. Um, I go by the odds. I don't go by what I think is going to happen. <laughs> the case for the Vikings is I actually think their defense is better than the Niners defense right now. Mm. And I was impressed by their front seven in the Saints game. Whew, that was unreal. Yeah. What they did to Drew Brees and a very good Saints offensive line. Yeah. I mean, they were playing games, moving their ends. In. Mike Zimmer, I feel like we make fun of him a lot because he looks like an elf in Santa's workshop. But he is <laughs> honestly a defensive genius. Yeah. If there's any defensive co coach in the NFL who can game plan for Shanahan and also has right. Kubiak, OG Shanahan on his side, it's got to be Mike Zimmer. Mm -hmm. I was impressed that. They had a the the Vikings had a fuck up in the first half, yeah. first quarter, and oh, yeah, and it was like, oh, they had this momentum, and now it's seven, and now they're gonna lose, and it was like, no, actually, we're not gonna lose. We're in this game, and it seemed like they thought they were better, and I, I always I love listening to the announcers the first quarter because they always have a little intel sometimes, and they right. and I forget who did that game, Buck and Aikman, yeah, yeah, because we. Uh, it, yeah, ESPN it's Buck and Aikman. Bills Texans, the right. best game in NFL history. Um, <laughs> so Aikman, midway right. through the first quarter, they came out. He's like, you know, we talked to Mike Zimmer. He he thinks they can win this game. He says all fifty three guys are. And I was like, oh shit, because I had the Saints and a bunch of teases. And I'm like, oh man, the Vikings think they can win this game with Kirk Cousins, but then they did. The thing about the Taysom Hill usage in that game, and this yes. obviously cuts both ways, but yes. on the one hand. It's innovative. It's energizing. It's exciting. It's surprising whether they used him as a quarterback, a rusher, a receiver. He was able to basically outperform everybody on the field. But at a certain point when you were relying that heavily on that aspect of your, well, not of your scheme, with that <laughs> aspect of your, your, your quirkiness, it's it, you start to wonder if it's because you don't trust your ability to win the game. So once the volume of the Hill usage got to be that high, that actually, weirdly, even though it was working the he whole time. He was the best quarterback they yeah, had. That started to be when I really thought, oh, they're not going to win That's this like game. when the Pats were running trick plays way more than they've ever run in their life. I'm like, this is a really bad sign yeah. that we have to do all this bullshit stuff. Exactly. Tangent, Bill Belichick would much rather have Taysom Hill as quarterback. No question. <laughs> okay, I just want to establish a baseline for that. I said on... I think on Sunday's pod, one of the recent pods about I would hire Greg Roman and then go all in on Taysom Hill and just recreate just the 2019 Ravens offense. <laughs> Why not? I mean, so the Vikings defense is really good. Their weakness is the corners. But mm -hmm. if you want if you're playing San Francisco, that's the weakness you want to have. Right. They're the best defense in the NFL against tight ends. Granted, George Kittle's not a normal tight end. Yeah. But no. it's a good matchup for them. 
It is. It's the line is I think it's seven right now. Seven, yeah. But it feels maybe a point high, but there's blowout potential too, where it's like thirty-eight to ten, and they get two defensive touchdowns in the it's whole Kirk thing. It's Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. who do you trust more in this game, Jimmy or Kirk? I don't know that. It, I think it's the unique and rare NFL playoff game where the trust factor is not dependent on either quarterback. Because, like, I don't know. Even when even when Jimmy plays well and has good games in the Shanahan scheme, you're not ever picking the Niners because of Heck no. Jimmy, right? And you're definitely not picking the Vikings because of Cousins. So I'm like looking at Bosa and how healthy Quan Alexander is. And I think, thank you. <laughs> I, I, the, the Kittle thing just, it, it almost doesn't matter what specific function he's playing on, it, on a given play. Is he blocking? Is he actually involved in a reception? How many defenders is he dragging on his back for how many yards? I mean, he's PFF's highest graded player in the entire fucking sport. Like the impact that he can have on that game against a defense where one of their edges is eliminating that threat for most opponents, that's gone for them. That's gone for the Vikings now when they face Kittle. That's just a huge edge for the Niners. It hurts me to say this, but he's, it feels like he's becoming Gronk 2.0. He, he's exceptional. Yeah, it, well, win a couple playoff games for George. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, he's got. You got to have the resume. But I'm saying, Kelsey gets compared to Gronk. And no. I just feel like Gronk's always been better than Kelsey, and Gronk's ceiling is just higher than Kelsey's. Is Kittle? I, somebody Collinsworth was saying like a week or two weeks ago about how Kittle really honestly believes he can't be tackled. Mm-hmm. And when you watch him, he plays oh, yeah. like that. It's yeah. like you're gonna. I'm gonna need four guys to take me down. I'm the, or else I'm not going. Down. Right. Yeah. He plays with like unimpeachable confidence that borders on arrogance, but is somehow not offensive. It's just really fun to watch. Whether or not you're a fan of that team. Also, one of my favorite things that's happened all season was reading Kevin Clark's Kittle piece and realizing that I have every single interest in common with George Kittle, which was not a thing I expected to learn. He's really? Like what? He's just like, man, I love reading Harry Potter. And I he can't wait that. for the new Lord of the Rings show. And I still struggle with season eight of Game of Thrones. And then he was like, I'm going to get a Halo tattoo. And he was talking about the video game. But I was just like, is he talking about my cat? <laughs> this is incredible. Um, Did he have feelings <laughs> on the affair? I don't know. I'm not sure if he's current on season five yet. You guys are the only two people in America who watch no, The Affair. Two, there's two more. No, there's Bill's, four of us. Bill's mad at me because I still haven't watched season five. Or Mrs. Fletcher, which would have been your favorite show of all time. I, it's on the list. A woman sends her college kid off to college and then gets into online porn. It's like they're, they're, you're the audience. Uh, gets into online porn? So she wasn't watching porn no, before that? That la- seems unrealistic to me. The last scene of the first episode, she's on the internet. And mm-hmm. and then it's kind of like a, whoa, what's it, this moment? And then her whole life spirals out of control. What's her, like, what is she searching for? I think it was MILFs. She's searching for MILFs? Yeah. Because somebody called her a MILF. I oh, can't remember I the, the thing, but she's, and then. And then she stumbled onto MILF porn. And then the wheels Rediscovered come off. her sexuality. Yes. All right, Re- I'll check it out. A re- it was a rediscovery. <laughs> and, the, and then some. Oh. It's really your kind of show. I don't know what else to tell you. Amazing. Back to George Kittle. <laughs> uh, Surprising tangent there. My fear with the Niners. So laying the seven with the Niners. Let's yeah. go worst case for each team. Okay. Worst case for the Vikings, Kirk Cousins. Worst case for the Niners. It's like, all right, they got this. And Jimmy comes out and looks nervous and overthrows Debo down the side mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. underthrows Kittle. And then fall, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit, Jimmy G. He looks like he's never been in a big game before. That would yeah. be my fear. He throws picks. Uh, he does. And when he's under pressure, uh, I think— 
He's not the worst quarterback of the remainder. I think that's Rodgers, but he's the second worst <laughs> under pressure. Incredible. <laughs> um, are you are you in the camp of Aaron Rodgers secretly not nearly as good as people think anymore? We'll get to that game. It's something okay. to talk about when we yeah. get to that game. He's, there's a cutout of him is staring at me right now, and I feel like judged and like I can't say anything. <laughs> that's from your show, right? The, or what is that from? It's from uh, a State, State Farm. Farm thing that we State did. Yeah, yeah, he's right there too. He's See everywhere. Him? He's in a couple spots. He's judging you. I know. Yeah. We got a Green um, Bay helmet over there. The only NFL player who knows where I live. Um, oh boy, fell some follow up questions. Wow. But what's going on? Season two of Mrs. Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, so yeah, Grappolo. You know, if you actually, if you force him in a third down, I think this Vikings defense has the advantage, especially against a, a Niners offensive line that lost their center. If they can play those games where Linval Joseph versus uh, whoever their backup center is, Weston Richburg went out. This is impressive. You're just listing backup lineman. <laughs> is this is this maze? That was great. Positively maze. I'm too old. I, I, can't, okay. I can't remember anyone's long story name anymore. short, uh, if you can force Jimmy, yeah, third and long, I actually think they can win. And he throws picks. He does every few games or so. Even sometimes it doesn't show up on the box score. He throws at least two picks. That important question. So he played your beloved Seahawks twice. Very exciting games. There's nothing, no better way to judge a quarterback than when your favorite team is playing them. How scared of you were you of Jimmy on a scale of one to ten? I think he's been good this season. I think, but, as it's gone on, but I think he throws picks. So you're, but you're not scared of him, but you are scared of that offense, right? And I think that's totally. that's kind of the key to the game. In, in a way, they are. You know, Danny Heifetz has been writing about this a lot on the Ringer. Like they're they're similar teams actually in a lot of respects, and which offense can better take advantage of its speed and its balance? Because this is what you want if you have questions about your quarterback. And it's, you know, the 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 irony of still talking about questions about your quarterback when Kirk Cousins, mm. like, finally did it. Whatever. I think we're all... He was takes awesome on Cousins in that game. are established. I'm, I'm, no, Cousins. I'm, I thought he was really good in that playoff but, game. But, but, that, but you don't trust that it will necessarily extend no, into the but following No, he at least passed so, the checkpoint. I mean, can he find Diggs? Did you can watch and keep crushing it? Yeah. How involved is Dalvin Cook going to be? The fact that you have Dalvin Cook in that rushing offense, if the passing game isn't there, is an incredible luxury. You look at the other side. We already talked about Kittle. We talked about Debo. The speed that Mostert and the running backs bring to the Niners' offense mm. is close to unrivaled in the sport. So if the quarterbacks don't perform at an elite level, that's that's something that both of those teams are actually built to survive. That don't you said, feel like the Vikings can handle their speed though? Because I, I do think they're two of the fastest teams we have left. The Vikings defense has, I think, the best cover linebacker in the NFL right now in Eric Kendricks, right. who weirdly wasn't a pro bowler, but is amazing. Um, yeah, football Twitter got mad that he wasn't a pro bowler. Yeah, I feel like I got mad. They got they have really good safeties. I mean, the like I said, the problem is the cornerbacks. But a friend of mine, Stephen Ruiz, tweeted right when the matchup came about, Right now, poor Anthony Barr, mm-hmm. linebacker, is somewhere having dinner, completely oblivious to the fact that Kyle Shanahan is deciding how to ruin his life. Right. We've just seen this happen so many times. Like, right. who are you betting on? Kyle Shanahan or Mike Zimmer? I'm going to bet on Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I, I, I feel similarly. I am interested in seeing and observing Stefan Diggs in this game. I, I personally— Stefan Diggs, my son, if he was a football player, he so, would behave exactly the same way. This is the thing I want to talk about for a second. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm a longtime Diggs fan. He play, obviously played at Maryland. I found it weird and kind of annoying that so much of the Twittersphere, Twittersphere and the viewing public responded to 
the way he was behaving in that game by basically saying, like, grow up. I thought it was awesome that he cared that much and was mm. passionate. Oh, I like Especially this. when you're— I mean, A pro Stefan Diggs take. I don't want to just, like, keep shitting on Kirk Cousins, who is, like, the definition of fine. But you need to inject a little life into that mm. offense. You know, show mm. some exuberance. Show that you care and you're invested. Also, this is a, a lot of, like, the I watched Joe Flacco for a lot of years, football fan in me still, where— the, the most exciting thing is just seeing a player give a shit. I want that from my team. Did you see the video of Kirk Cousins after the game? I did, Going yes. full, you I, like that? Yes. I love that, I love he, that. I love that he has turned the fact that he is into a, is a meme into a new meme. Like, we get it. You know what Twitter is. Yeah. That's great. I'm proud of you that you've seen social media. Kirk Cousins looks fine until he smiles. It's always been my take on him. He looks savage. You lose confidence when he smiles? Have you seen him? It, pull up a picture of him smiling. You'll understand what I mean. Um, I think he responds well to that. I mean, Adam Thielen yeah. straight up called him. Or, like, when was that? Yeah, earlier in the season. He, he was like, he needs to be able to throw me the ball. Went on a podcast yeah. and says, throw the deep ball. Ended up being a cousin Thielen deep ball that sealed the deal. If I'm the Niners, I'm just, everyone's fine if he completes one pass of, that goes 30 yards in the air. Like, we're taking this away. He, he's not doing this. Let him eight to ten yards every single time. But he eventually has, he'll throw it to us. But, but he don't I, go over the top no, on us ever. I don't agree with that. I mean that that their offense. It took them a quarter of the season to figure out how to actually run the offense this year. But the offense is built so that he can make that throw. You have Thielen and Diggs for a reason, and you have Kyle. I Rudolph know, but I'm saying I'm not underneath. giving. You're not getting it. Yeah. I'm not giving it to you. In this but if game. you take that Beat away, me every other way. Okay, so if you take that away, then that's when he goes to Rudolph. Who has turned okay. back into a touchdown machine? Great. These Throw offenses eight to ten yarders. are true Spider-Man meme. Like the exact same thing exactly. I said about Jimmy. Yeah. You got if you can get Kirk Cousins into third and long. Like both of these defensive lines are better than the offensive lines, right? That and that's so. Which quarterback is better able to deal with that? I just I have more questions about Cousins' ability to deal with the, with Bosa and the Niners' pass rush than the other way around. Do you believe in the whole thing where NFL teams they basically have a four to five week run? where you can throw out basically the first three months of the season as long as they're starting to click uh, right around now. Because that Minnesota team, I was not really sold on. Right. I actually thought well, yeah. the Saints were a good team, and I and they got outplayed at home because Minnesota, whatever was going on with them all year, it seems like they figured it out. Cook coming back was huge. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I think I— that seven points seems like a lot. The first half, or not first half, like first month of the season, Mike Zimmer was like, you have to run the ball on every down. Right. And people were wondering, wow, this offense is really not explosive. Then they backed off of that. Right, and also and why we, did you give Kirk Cousins all that guaranteed money if that's right. how you were going to run the offense? Embraced play action. Earmuffs mean it, but Mallory, yeah. don't you like Minnesota more than either of the teams in the Green Bay-Seattle game? No. I don't actually, though I do think the Vikings are good. I don't want to undersell them. And there's a, a part of me, again, as a Ravens fan, where when you're thinking about kind of that amorphous factor and the balance in the universe, if a number six seed is going to advance out of this round, I need it to be the Vikings, right, right. obviously. All right, now, I mean, now you've had time to to not seethe anymore about the question. I just, the teams have played. <laughs> what, year, what week was it? It wasn't that long ago. It was, I think, like week 12 or something. It was You can't, you can't feel that great about the Seahawks game. team, though. No, not at all. They're total frauds, but they have the best quarterback. <laughs> right. It's a quarterback-driven sport. The Seahawks are a testament to the fact that it's a quarterback-driven league. I've always felt like running backs, I know everybody's always like overrated, overrated, but I, okay. I was like a big proponent of 
the fourth stringer on some practice squad would actually probably be pretty good if you put them out there. Mm-hmm. You're right. <laughs> With the Seahawks, I think we've we've hit whatever point that is. Cause Homer is you really stretching it with him. Like when they when they pitched him on their own nine yard line at the end of that game, you must have had a heart attack. He was great in the Niners game. Though. I know, but you, he makes you nervous. Admit it. Deep down. Yeah. Because he's yeah. gonna give up the ball at some point in a really God, bad I forgot your time about that pitch. I, I screamed when that happened. It was like a fumble waiting to happen in I know. nine different ways. And of ways. course, like especially Seattle, right? If it, it would just felt like such a Pete Carroll thing to happen. There I, I mentioned this no, to Pete. Kevin. There was a moment in that game, the Seahawks-Eagles game, when I was watching on Apple TV and the feed cut out oh, no. for like three minutes. Mm-hmm. And they were the best three minutes of my life. Like, I just felt so at peace. <laughs> like, relief. I don't have to watch this anymore. Like, I, I just want to be freed of this. I would love to just look at the dots or see their, the numbers on like my ESPN app. <laughs> I don't want to watch this. Like, it's taking years it's off my life. It's weird you only scored 17 points and Metcalf had like 700 receiving yards. Yeah. He's incredible. It's not weird. It's really not weird. Nine not weird when you're talking about the Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks. I mean, the Eagles incredible. defense is actually pretty good. So The, the fact that Metcalf, Debo, yeah. who would have been like the perfect Patriot. Debo would have been a good guy. Yeah. He's yeah. like everything he does is so Tom Brady-ish. He's just like the perfect guy. We didn't take him. And then don't, AJ Don't Brown. give up on Nikhil Harry. Yet. I'm not. I'm just, it's he, just for this season only. I think Debo would have really helped us. Yeah. 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 I mean, no. Debo, like, just and people to, knew he was good. I went back yeah. and read all the draft stuff, and it was clearly an unusually loaded wide receiver class. And all of these guys, there were a lot of arguments about who was going to be the best if, guy. If we're done with the Niners, yeah. We are. We got to take a I'll break. Then we're going to the next team. Quick break to talk about two other podcasts that I'm involved with. One is the Rewatchables. Here's why that's important. The 100th episode is last week. It's the third of the Quentin Tarantino trilogy. We are doing King of New York. The 1990 classic. That's kind of been swept under under the rug by history, except for people that absolutely love this movie. And I think it's gotten the reputation now as as breaking so many great actors. And it's just an amazing movie. It was me, Tarantino, and Sean Fennessy. That's coming next week. We did Unstoppable this week, me, Tarantino, and Chris Ryan last week. Fennessy and Ryan did Dunkirk with Tarantino. But uh, this King of New York one, he dropped some bombs in this. And I, I feel like 90s film history is rewritten a tiny bit, but you'll have to wait to hear that. And then Book of Basketball 2.0, Steve Nash came on this week and we talked about the seven seconds or less Suns, 2007 Spurs Suns game four and a whole bunch of stuff. And it was awesome. And we have a lot of good ones coming for you. Coming next week, the pyramid case for Reggie Miller. Yeah. Yeah. So get ready for that too. That's all coming up. And then check out all the uh, awesome Ringer podcast ones, including Star Wars. The binge mode for uh, Star Wars is we're heading down the stretch here. I think they have eight left. They did an awesome hand, <laughs> hand solo. <laughs> I should I should just say hand solo. They tackled hand solo and it was fantastic. No, it was Han Solo they actually talked about. But, uh, but that one, I think, really resonated with the fan base. So yeah, check all that stuff out. Go to Apple or go to Spotify or go to wherever you get your podcasts. Check out all the awesome Ringer podcasts. And there you go. All right, back to this one. All right, come back. Now you can say what you're going to say. <laughs> Sorry. We we're going to say before I interrupt you. I was going to say, I mean, the thing with the Niners is that all of their playmakers can play multiple positions, right? George Kittle's a tight end, a receiver, and a running back. Debo, I think, is the epitome of that as well. And yeah. once they figured that out, hey, this this dude can play running back. He can carry the yeah. ball. And that's why he would have been so good in New England. 
Right. Positional versatility, Sorry. man. Do you realize what's going to happen with the very entitled Patriots fan base if Jimmy G wins the Super Bowl? It's going to be amazing. I mean, I personally hope it doesn't happen because the I Pats fans the under 30, like Kyle Bowl, but... over there, so entitled. They don't remember the old days when we just sucked every year. I'm so grateful for the last two decades. If Jimmy G won, I would feel like that's a win for us. Would you? Yeah. That what? was our guy. Wait, he was going to be the next guy. Hold on. And we hold screwed on it up. Second. That's a win for us? Yeah. So you're going to try to claim He learned how to win with the Patriots. <laughs> yes. A San Francisco yes. championship. Yes. No doubt. That's how selfish I am. That's the only child in me. Are yeah. you going to claim a— Does Jimmy G win if he doesn't— to have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick pass So if, if no. God forbid, perish the thought, the Titans win and keep advancing, you're going to try to claim a Vrabel yeah, victory absolutely. too as your own? Who else 100,000 percent. Deion Lewis and Vrabel teaching everybody how to when win. When the Giants start a, a new dynasty under Judge, you're going to claim that as well? Yes. Coaching tree. <laughs> how, do you think, how do you think Brady reacts to a Jimmy G Super Bowl win? And not well. Probably some weird Instagram post. Might, that, might eat his first strawberry. <laughs> he's just... He, he's, I was thinking like a new haircut, like a completely off the red... Like, um, like a perm? What Kyle, what do like young dudes wear now? Fade? Bun still? Yeah, fades never left. It's a good one. It's still the fade. When you say weird haircut for Brady, he said nine of them already. I don't know. I know. I mean, this is actually the most normal a ponytail haircut at some point. Face tattoo? Let's do, the headband um, face was strange. Let's get Packers Seahawks out of the way. What's your biggest fear wow. of the game? Zadarius Smith murders yes. Russell Wilson on the field. That's and a, that is right. We are witness to that. Zadarius Smith quietly became one of the 10 best defenders in football this year. Great Very name. Good. Former Raven. Proud former Raven. It's crazy. I'm going to claim his success as my we'll own. Do it. Bill. We'll Feels get, great. We'll get to the Ravens. It's wild how productive their pass rush has been despite losing all of their production. From last it took year. a few Seriously. weeks. But, yeah. Testament to coaching. Um, Judon crushing it. That would be it. I think... Green Bay has the advantage, defensive line, Zedarius, their pass rush is good. And then Aaron Jones is probably the player I'm most afraid of, especially as a pass catcher. Seahawks yeah. is really bad against pass catching running backs. So that would be the two things, I think, that put it over the edge. And then just like a a vintage Rodgers game, which is it's the playoffs, you know, or a vintage Rodgers quarter. It's all you really need. What's the history? Brand. What's your what's the Wilson versus Rodgers? Does Wilson have the upper hand? I can't even remember. I don't know. Bit. They're just weird games. There was seems that to be incredible. Oh yeah, incredible ending. I rewatched the fourth quarter yeah. of the 2014 NFC Championship just whenever I'm feeling like down. Yeah, that was really. Something. It's like I don't know what you would call that. Like you know, like a the videos you go to. I, there's oh, yeah. a, a phrase I'm thinking of that I'm not going to say <laughs> for, for people who need them to feel better. But like just every now and then, probably once a month, I watch that quarter. I could tell you everything that happens exactly. I still have Pat's Ravens 35-31 on my DVR. Oof. Enjoy that one. Here. Yeah. Remember that? I do. Just Remember got, that got when, you should, when you should have gotten the Super Bowl and we just, we reached deep, 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 deep. I'd rather not talk it's about great. that. Um, it's an incredibly painful memory. Of the life. best thing you have going for you is Russell Wilson. Yeah, that, that well, would be that, the best other thing. Than that. <laughs> what else? Uh, the, is when, when do we talk about... Has Rodgers played four good quarters in a game? Not this season, I think. Well, uh, hmm. let's see. But that's kind of sh- quietly a shot at the Seahawks. Is that the best thing they have going for them in your mind? Is something going wrong with the other team? Well, I think that I think Green Bay has to underachieve a little offensively. For Seattle, you're going to need some help. In yeah, if it's especially since it's in Lambeau. When, I think if it was in Seattle, it'd be different. When do we talk about Mina being a Judevian clowny, dirty hit apologist? <laughs> do we do that now? Somebody left. Um, a comment on my Instagram. Yeah. Somebody was Chris Ryan, one of his burner I just accounts. posted a picture of Lenny, my dog, 
looking adorable. I mean, always. And goes the first saying. comment was, why do you continue to defend dirty <laughs> Seahawks play, or player Jadavian Clowney? And I wrote back, this is a picture of my dog. I, there's no defense here. This it's is just a, a picture, this is of, a my picture of my dog at Crash Activated. Chris Ryan. I, have, I haven't talked to him. In I have no ago, dog in this mad race. At I didn't even feel like it was like 1% of cheap hit. He was just falling on him. It should have been flagged, but when you watch in real time, like no one reacts, right? Which is usually, I, I didn't, I don't blame the refs for missing it. I do blame uh, the spotters for not noticing Carson Wentz was clearly concussed. Right. That like tough. that, where's the outrage over that? Because yeah. Obviously, God, it, he was. We look for any excuse to get outraged. That this day, they, that would have been a good one to just get upset yeah. about. Can on, I retroactively online? tweet that and get just some, go? Oh my god! I'm so mad at the spotters right now. <laughs> Damn it! That's the next level take. Such jerks. Um, it's gonna be an ugly game. I agree. Yeah, feels like a and with a really weird final score, like twenty-two <laughs> to eighteen. <laughs> Just some final score that, and yeah. people would be like Chase Stewart would be tweeting. This final score has never happened before in a Scorigami, playoff game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's Roger Sherman's favorite thing. I love yeah. Scorigami. Yeah, it's like 22 18, 25 to nineteen. Some score we've never considered in our lives. What DK, sh- they don't. I don't think they have an answer for DK. D- Danny Kelly. Danny Kelly. <laughs> no one has an answer for Danny Kelly. He's just out there. They said he could only blog one way. And now he's out there, new routes every week, new Hosted blogs fantasy every week. Pods. Did he tell you? I So he invited me into his high school friend's fantasy league. It's a dynasty league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I won. Wait, this uh, is what you guys were, tw- were tweeting about with the, yeah. uh, the, oh, the trade oh, controversy. Don't get me started on this. Yeah, he, Danny Kelly, he's going to be so mad we're talking about this here, allowed trades. <laughs> it's a dynasty league. But he allowed trades into week 17. Oh, that's Comes down to me and one of his high school friends. Big prize. Mm-hmm. And he traded his high school friend, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And it was the week when Ryan Fitzpatrick, was it the Patriots game? Was that? Wow. It all comes full circle. Mm -hmm. I still won. So our friendship is intact, but I'm not happy about it. I think in a dynasty league, the rules just, I know. They, I they have to be different. That's going to be season But I did enjoy you dragging Fletcher. him on, on Twitter. <laughs> season three of <Mrs>. Fletcher. <laughs> um, I like the, the Seahawks are getting four points. Hmm. It feels like a three-point game to me, yeah. and I have no idea who's going to win. So yeah. I'm probably I'm leaning toward taking the points. Well, first of all, at literally every Seahawks game, it's a it's like a constitutional amendment at some point has to come down to one score, right? So Kevin we know Clark. It's, it's not going to be a blowout one way or another. So does Kevin? How do you feel about Kevin Clark, who does this tweet? How many years ago? Like two years that. No Seahawks game could be normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Continuing to retweet his own tweet. And then he retweets it every time. <laughs> He's claiming the abnormal Seahawks game thing, which, you know, he planted his flag on it first. Right, but at yeah. the same time, Seahawks games have been abnormal all decade. So how much credit does he get for this? Well, it's not just him who retweets it. It kind of resurfaces like every— But is this like Jonas Sock finding the polio <laughs> vaccine or did right. this he just doesn't, He doesn't happen? own the take— that's okay. fair. I mean, the all take of, existed pre-Kevin Clark? That Well, Seahawks fans complained all the time. I compl- mm-hmm. I've been complaining for years about how much they've, like, ruined my life and probably cost— Like, I'd probably have lost at least 48 hours of life to the Seahawks. When all said and done, when I'm, like, 93 mm-hmm. You'll and end up I dying at 91? I should be part of a class action lawsuit against this team. 48 hours seems like— a worthy sacrifice for one of the great passions totally. of your life. You know? I, w- I would never do it any other way. I do I have mean, a 48 tank. hours. Think of how many jackets Kevin Clark could buy in 48 hours. I was going to say, is, is Kevin Clark the first person who dressed in all black on a ringer video <laughs> to own that take? 
Oh yeah, let's, let's ladies do and gentlemen, this. Mr. Janet Cash. <laughs> Al, Al Pacino's like this guy's on my corner. <laughs> this guy is on my corner. Real John Wick vibes. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I think he should just all bark all the time. It's great. All right, so it. we think Seahawks three point game, and something weird will happen, and there's no way to actually predict anything. I it's. It's Mallory a, seems to be like she's leaning toward the whole Aaron Jones is going to run amok type thing. It's just a weird game where there are so many intriguing matchups within the overall matchup. You know, the beast mode versus Aaron Jones. Like a lot of old school, new school pairings on each side. Obviously, Pete Carroll against Matt LaFleur is the greatest example of that. But then like the the equalizer is always Russ. And I'm just I'm fat. I'm most fascinated by Aaron Rodgers and how he plays and what the narrative is around him, because mm. I think in a in a season where we had not collectively all spent as much time as we did talking about Tom Brady, we would have spent more time talking about how yeah. Aaron Rodgers was playing. And, you know, are we sure the Packers line is good? Their offensive line or their yeah. defense? Their offensive line is excellent. Okay. The yeah. Seahawks offensive line and the Packers offensive line are playing two different sports yes, right now. That's correct. Um, the Packers offense, I will say, has been weirdly good in the first quarter at times. Right. So for me, the biggest differentiator, the biggest like variable is just whether what they let Russ cook. Like, are we are we going to do the thing that we always do where we wait till the fourth quarter to let Russell Wilson just go nuts? Mm-hmm. Or is he going to actually throw a lot, a lot of play action early on? I think if the Seahawks use a lot of play action early on, they can... Win this thing. Do you know what Aaron Rodgers' playoff record is since he won the Super Bowl? I don't. It's what do you bad. think it is? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, God bless you. Thank you. Since he won the Super Bowl? Since he won the Super Bowl. It's dating back to he won the Super Bowl in February 2010, 2010 which yeah. is exactly 10 years ago. They've been in the playoffs most four years. Four wins? He's five and six. Five, yeah. five and six. Over, I was going to say four Over five a wins. decade long span. It's not what you want. It's not what you want. It's some, not great. Some ugly losses in there, too. The thing including is— Including three straight last possession, which nobody thought would ever happen again until— The Saints. The Saints. The Saints. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Nothing, I think nothing means less kid. than the Saints going 13-3 um, and three in the regular season. The thing t- with Aaron Rodgers, okay. though, is that he's still Aaron Rodgers until he isn't. So, like, the fact that he's middle of the pack in pass rating and DVOA— mm doesn't mean that he it's like what you're saying it's not even right. one quarter it almost feels like with him and again given the nature of the I, opponent I just, it's one drive right yeah, like is he going to be is he going to be capable of the classic hail mary magic how are they going to use Devontae adams in this game how much of an edge is aaron jones going to give them I, I don't i don't expect that rogers will play like the rogers of old right. but with aaron Rodgers, you're always grading a little bit on a curve you know you're not really comparing him to the rest of the league, you're comparing him, you're measuring him against the standard of his own past performance. Right. I can just imagine a game where he's just, he stinks, and then the fourth quarter comes, and he makes some insane pass, like Alan Lazard. Yeah. Robert Mays Alan tweets Lazard. that dragon <laughs> picture he always tweets yes. when in, and in like That's the right. Seahawks inexplicably stay in base, and I, I just already can see how that plays out. So since week nine, they've scored, the Packers have scored 24-8, 31 against the Giants, 20, 21, 23, 23. Soft schedule, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I said the hardest. You kind of are who you are. If you're for two straight months, you're in the low 20s. So it seems like if you can get to 24, you're in good shape. It was definitely an uninspiring close to the regular season, but it's like the question is, is he going to be able to turn it on in the playoffs? And then I think just like the subtle sub-narrative of how he and LaFleur are getting along on the sidelines, especially, you know, McCarthy going to the Cowboys and everybody talking again about Aaron Rodgers and his relationship with his coaches. Did you see his (laughs) quotes? Spicy. Yeah. 
Spicy. You saw I that, think, right? I think Rogers is like a Bravo character. He's like a real housewives from Beverly Hills. <laughs> like, uh, episode eight, Aaron's going to get in trouble with Matt LaFleur. He's like, not going to he, be afraid to show his displeasure. Yeah. So. Aaron flips out at a cocktail party and doesn't want to talk to Aaron Jones. <laughs> That's next week. <laughs> what is Pete Carroll going to do that makes you mad in this game? Oh, oh my God. All right. All right. Well, setting aside running too much in the first half, I'll, I'll take... An unnecessary challenge in the second yeah. quarter, yeah. and then something with a challenge. A Just, really, he likes to waste get his challenges out of the way, so they're not they're it's, not hindered. It's gotten yeah. to the What's point thing to think about in the fourth quarter. Yeah. It's gotten to Smart. the point where I'm unhappy when the Seahawks either make a field goal or succeed on a challenge because I know it's going to encourage Pete Carroll in the next it. game. Yeah. And I'm like, just don't. Like, I almost you don't want to lose. positively reinforce the behavior. No. <laughs> Are you calling Marshawn Lynch Beast Mode or the artist formerly known as Beast Mode? Oh wow. He's still beast mode. You know, the, the best mode. Marshawn play in the Eagles question. game, he, he didn't look good as a runner, but uh, there was like a third and short where they faked the handoff to him and he leaked out on play action and then sort of like trundled his way up the field. Yeah. He can still do that. So. It's not great. You're pulling a guy off the street who's going to be a prominent, prominent He's kind of a mascot at this point. Chiefs, Texans, we can do quickly. I, we probably all agree on this one. Yeah. This is the least interesting game to me. I don't. I can't believe the Texans are in round two and are one of the eight teams I left. I don't like the coaching matchup. I don't like the Chiefs' defensive line against the Texans' offensive line. I think this could actually be an ugly game and a blowout. I would be very surprised if the Texans won this game. I mean, Deshaun mm -hmm. Watson is incredible. He played incredibly last week. In if the we'll, second half. He was we'll, really bad in the first half. I mean, he, he took the team on his shoulders and won them the game. Which sure, what a game! Know, is, I wish I could just rewatch that game this weekend. Yeah, you can. It Honestly, was it was, it was the best. Oh, it had everything. Josh Allen is a special person. When Josh Allen lateraled backwards, uh, that's when it went I to another level. I was like, oh, this no everything's on the table. This game. <laughs> what a what a game! If there was ever a game that was going to have the beginning of the last Boy Scout, where somebody <laughs> shoots somebody in the field, it would have been that game. It was like, oh, that makes sense. Literally everything you'd yeah. ever want in a football game happened. It was absolutely mesmerizing. When, just quickly, I guess we could say. Like, what would it take? Well, well, here's the thing. Who's had more playoff chokes than mm. Andy Reid as a big favorite? Oh. Like, he has done this over and over yeah. and over again where it's like, oh, yeah, the Chiefs got this. And then it's like yeah. 17 to 14, Chiefs trailing. And then yeah. interception, touchdown. And, oh, my God, the Chiefs might nah. lose. We've seen this Andy Reid If they times. lose, it's because it's a shootout. It's, and right. Deshaun Watson goes ham. And this Chiefs defense, which just lost their starting safety, Juan Thornhill— suddenly reverts to the Chiefs defense we saw last year. I think the only, yes, that and the only prayer of, of the Texans even being in position to take advantage of that is Will Fuller coming back and being healthy. I and mean, that's, that's why it sucks to bet against the Texans when it's like, oh, know. this is one of the four games this year where Will Fuller is going to yeah, be I mean, running the way a 4 140 down the field. He completely revolutionizes what the offense is capable of and like alights all of these new possibilities for Deshaun is a real thing. We don't currently know what his, How healthy what his status is. I just don't game. think that... I don't think they have a pass rush. And nope. and if you're not going to have a pass rush against Mahomes, yeah. plus they have to worry about Kelsey either blocking them or sneaking off the line. I just think it's going to be so easy for Casey to go up and down the field. They have they always have that bet in um in the playoffs where it's like highest scoring team of the weekend. Mm -hmm. And I forget I don't they haven't put it up yet, but I would I would say Chiefs' highest scoring team yeah. of the weekend is like a, almost a borderline lock for this. I could see them going like 38 points. I mean, the Texans have also been such a 
Jekyll and Hyde team all year where like the identity and the result does seem to be kind of like based on how the wind is blowing, they, you know? It's yeah, just like they they've... became the Titans this year. They're the highest variance team. Deshaun Watson, as much as we love him, has not been good in three consecutive games this right. year. Well, so we could be due for a And then with, with how Watson plays, but also how the entire team goes, you know, the questions of uh, can the offensive line protect him? Obviously, the trade for Tunsil in many ways got them to this point and he's having a Pro Bowl season but also is the right side's pretty shaky penalized the false start the penalty watch is a real thing keep an eye on that but can they protect Deshaun you know when he has a game where he's getting sacked four to six times that is going to have a bearing on how they succeed and then you compound that with whether Fuller's healthy Stills is also currently hurt that's a lot of stuff on the offense that's going against they're sort of the poster child for quarterbacks are responsible for their own sacks, right? Because Deshaun holds on to the ball too long. But part of the reason he holds on to the ball too long is they run a ton of heavy to protect him so guys aren't getting open. So it all kind of compounds on itself. I I also don't like, I don't like teams that fall behind, which they do. And your team does too. Mm -hmm. But it's fine. Where it's like 10-0, (laughs) 13-0, 14-3, and then there's a clawing back. And I think Houston, I could see them just going down 14 to 3 early, but against the Chiefs, there's it's really going to be hard to come back, especially if Damian Williams. I thought the Chiefs running game that was, I thought, the fatal flaw for their team going to the playoffs. But I actually like the way Damian Williams looked at the end of the season. So maybe they don't really need to run either, but they need to hold the lead. I'm just thinking about the nine and a half. Like if they're up 14 in the fourth quarter, but they're just three and out because they can't keep the ball. All right, it's time. Oh boy. I'm nervous. You should be. I'm really nervous. The Titans are good. Stop it. No, I am. Stop it. The Titans are good. They're a legitimately good team. I'm really nervous. I have really enjoyed listening to Mallory talk about Lamar Jackson on your podcast. (laughs) Earlier, the three of us were talking about your (sighs) open, like, the lustiness you bring to certain pods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um... Lustiness. My feelings for Lamar are different, obviously. I know. They're not as like. They're more motherly. But but the tone, Mallory, the tone is passionate. It's really. There's going to. You have a young daughter, right? Like 13. I swear this is going to be okay. 14. (laughs) (laughs) That was so nervous right now. (laughs) Season four of Mrs. Fletcher. There's going to be a point where you're. Just holding the table. No, it's good. Go ahead. Where you're driving with her, and maybe she's learning how to drive. Okay, I feel. And better. a song comes on the radio, and you're just incredibly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It, like, yeah, for me, this was doing it by LL Cool J with my own father, where I was like, I have, no, uh, I don't yeah. care if I have to crash, I must turn off the radio right now, it, whatever it takes. Like, because you're just, this is honestly like, I can't, we can't listen to this. That's how I feel sometimes listening to you talk about Lamar Jackson. Like, I'm like, this should be honestly marked not safe for work. Thank you. I have to pull over my it. car. You know, I don't want to be. I, I enjoyed the analogy. I, I, I did too. I, I feel understood and seen. Thank you, Mina. I don't want to be hyperbolic. It's one of the greatest joys in the history of my life, you know? <laughs> and getting to watch Lamar this season has been a source of unbridled joy and possibility. And I live in fear of losing that now. Mm, okay, so it's right now that you have so much to lose. It's like you're you're almost more anxious is what you're saying. I... <sighs> Just going to a dark place when it's t- 
Titans Chiefs next week. I believe in the Ravens. Come on. I believe in the Ravens fully. Don't do this. Don't try to convince anyone that the Titans have a chance in this. There's something about. It's going to be a close game. There are a few narratives here that scare me. What's the line? Nine and a half. Is it up to nine and a half? It was. It opened at eight. That's high. That's high. And this is part of it. This is part of what's fueling my anxiety. I I believe a few different contradictory truths right now, and okay. I believe them fully. There's a lot of internal <laughs> dissonance that I'm grappling with. Okay. I believe that the Ravens are the best team in football. Correct. Well, the advanced fully. metrics would say they were one of the best teams of all yes. time. Yes. I believe that the Ravens will win the Super Bowl. I, 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 I would genuinely that. believe that. Okay. I also am absolutely terrified that they're going to lose this game to the Titans. Why? Few things. Okay. One, I'm here to comfort you. Thank you. This is let's this will hopefully prove cathartic. Just the rust factor. Because a lot of it's the Ravens season has been, and I, you know, all of all of the, you know, I'll go Kevin Durant for a second, all you blog boys. Tweet at me about momentum if you want. Like it felt real to me watching the season, mm. right? And not real. I, that's fine. There's a difference between being rational okay. and rationalizing (laughs) as a sports fan. So Lamar didn't play in week 17. A lot of the starters sat and then they had a bye and having a bye is a good Mm -hmm. thing, but that's a lot of time that they haven't been out there together. During that time, half the fucking team got the flu injury questions. Is Ingram healthy? He's back now looking good. Hopefully how, how is that calf? How is Mark Andrews ankle? is Hollywood fully ready to go? I just, like, will they be able to start strong because so much of the season has been just absolutely annihilating the team they're playing. Annihilating. Giving them no... Eliminating hope. Eliminating hope. They've won close games. The Bills, the Niners. They've won every type of game. They've won every type of game, and that's part of why I'm so confident in them. But it's a little scary to think, what if they need a quarter to, to figure it out? So that's one thing. Okay. Hopefully that will prove mood. Derrick Henry. Meh. It's the best rushing offense in the history of football on one side against the league's leading rusher on the other side this year. Tackling Derrick Henry is hard. It looks like it's going to be a rainy night in Baltimore. Mm. That means they're going to rely on Derrick Henry even more. Now, if the Ravens offense does what it needs to do, then it shouldn't matter what Derrick Derrick Henry does. But bringing him down is hard. I love Derrick Henry, but... Bill, you just saw your team let him run amok. Titans scored 14 points. Yes, exactly. And your team had, by the way, the game plan that if I'm the Ravens, I'd do exactly what the Pats did. The first half, they did not sell out against the run. They keyed in on what they correctly saw as Tennessee's biggest weapon, which was not Derrick Henry. It was Ryan Tannehill on play action. They're like, sure, you guys can run on us. Then in the second half, they made some adjustments. They started doing the uh, Super Bowl front thing, the Mm -hmm. six by one, and that worked too. Do that. 14 points. Again, practically thinking about any of it, even like when I think about A.J. Brown and how he's emerged as one of the best receivers in football this year. We took him out. I'm completely confident in Peters and Humphrey and the Ravens' defensive backs. Humphrey's hurt. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. So, Snowflake and, and Marlon. Will oh, be, I'm sorry. They, you meant Marlon Humphrey. Adam Humphrey. Yes. yes. Yeah, Marlon, Marlon Humphrey will be, will be out there playing yeah. like the all fucking pro that he I'd is. Put him five on, first team all pros. I'd put him on AJ because he's physical and strong. Yes. A couple so other narrative I did things, some, though. But hold on. I'm not Derek Henry for a second because yes. I did some homework for this okay. just okay. to impress both of you. I'm ready. ready. <laughs> so Henry had basically 32 plus carries the last two weeks. 
and he ran for over 180 yards each yeah. week, just the last two games. The old Nick Saban. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. I wonder how many times that's happened. Uh-huh. In the regular season, it's happened four times. In the history. In the history. Football. Since Pro Football Reference tracks all this stuff. Um, 32 plus carries, 180 yards. Then I was like, well, I wonder, let's go to, I don't know, a three-game streak of 30 carries and 100 yards. wonder how many times that's happened. Mm-hmm. Not a lot. Very few. One of the ones was Jerome Harrison. Remember he had that big fantasy run at the end yeah, of yeah. 2010, 2009? But just in general, in the playoffs, somebody somebody basically 30-plus carries, 100 yards. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, Emmett Smith must have done this. He only did it in one game. It was mm-hmm. a Packers playoff game in January 2006. The only person who had a run where it's like, I'm going to just have the ball all the time week after week was John Riggins, 1982. Four straight playoff games, 25 carries, 37, 36, 38. 119 yards, 185, 140, 166. So what Henry's already done is really rare. Mm-hmm. For him to do three weeks in a row, 30 carries, 140, 150 yards, Basically has no parallel other than that one John Riggins season. That's one of the legendary football seasons of all time. Right. So I just want to say that. So does that mean you think that he's poised to do something historic or that you think it's not sustainable? I think it means that if he does it, what will have beaten the Ravens is something that has happened three times in the history of football. But the Ravens should let it happen. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. let him run. I mean, the Ravens have really stout interior run defense, uh-huh. right, with Williams and Pierce. But they can be beat running to the outside. Um which is what he's good at. I think, yeah, which is exactly what he's good at. I also think also what Dalvin Cook's take good at, that. ironically. Yeah, I would take that. He should do that against San Francisco a lot too, by the way. Um, I'm not saying the run game doesn't matter. He is incredibly like a, a weapon, but it must be paired mm-hmm. with a successful pass game, right. especially against a team like Baltimore. And if Tannehill can't get it going in this game they have no shot well but so the vikings what they did last week is the ideal of this right where they're controlling the ball the run but they also went deep a couple Mm -hmm. times and made some big plays you have to have the 240 yard plays that's the other thing well that's one of the other things like the the ravens obviously have one of the most explosive offenses in football and since Tannehill took over the titans had one of the most explosive offenses in football Both teams also are not only capable of, but quite adept at clock management. These drives that just eat away. I mean, this might be a game where each team touches the ball once per quarter. Mm. Isn't that how to beat Baltimore, though? That's what scares me. That's why I'm saying Because that was the recipe with the Pats forever. Just control the ball, seven-minute drives. Keep Brady off the field. Derrick Henry on the two-minute drill was on that. The other thing, so this is going against the Titans. This is what was so frustrating about them. We were never able to get them in third and nine, third and 11, right. third and 13. So you're right about like you can't, you ultimately can't score a lot of points in the running game, but it just makes Tannehill's life so much easier to be when it's the, the thing- one time we got him was when it was like third and 12. That was when he made his ha- big mistake. And the, and the thing is, however long they have the ball, it's just time that it's not back in Lamar's hands. And that's what's uh, slightly anxiety inducing. A couple of the other sort of like big picture things. Dean Pease, their defense coordinator, revenge. knows the Ravens really game. well. Dean Pease, revenge. Scary. Uh, the the, the Pease-Greg Roman thing is interesting because, of yeah. course, Pease was with the Ravens when Roman was with the Niners and they faced off against each other in that Super Bowl. So that's a long time ago and probably irrelevant in that sense, but kind of a fun thing to think about. The 
Ravens and Titans have the kind of postseason history that makes Baltimore fans nervous now rather than giving them confidence. So there was a piece. Um, oh, John, I, John Eisenberg I wrote think this a, matters, by the way. Yes. The history of He's the matchups. He's saying that because he can really, see my eyes starting well, yeah. to roll. It's the, 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 there's a John Eisenberg piece right now called Will Football Prevail Over Fate? Oh, God. <laughs> like, this is the kind of thing that my dad and I text about all the time. It's just, I don't know. It's it's scary and it feels real. You know, the, the Titans were the number one seed in 2000 and 2008. And who beat them both of those years in the playoffs? The Ravens. Like, that kind of narrative feels like the thing that sets up for that, 2008. revenge. It's scary. I hope that none of this shit matters at all. And all mm. that matters is that the Ravens have the best roster and the best team. But when you go into the game and all you've had for the last two and a half weeks mm-hmm. or moments to think about things no, like yeah, this. No, you're just trying to come up with It starts reasons. to build up in your mind. I and mean, then what's the biggest narrative factor at all outside of the game, outside of Lamar being MVP and every all the, all the reasons to have confidence in what the Ravens can do? Mike Vrabel said he'd cut his fucking dick <laughs> off to win the Super Bowl. And what a dumb thing to say. Don't ever, don't ever well, threaten he, your dick for something that could he, actually he, he happen. He didn't say if we win, I'm gonna do it. He, he said, said he would do I it. would do right. it. Shows you how much he cares. Right. We've been talking about this a lot. Ringer editors have been talking about this a lot. Have you this week? Oh yeah, and I feel like not enough was made of this story at the time. We have Kyle's attention. Another story. His, he, his head like perked up immediately <laughs> when this came up because. Okay, when it when did it come out? It was on Bustin' with the Boys, the Titans pod, right. this summer. It was like, in July. I, I felt like it didn't make enough of a impact. Part of the quietly. <laughs> why his dick? Why not his balls? He's from New England. That's but why not just say I'd sacrifice with. a kidney for a Super Bowl? At least the kidney could go somewhere good. Well, no, uh, your dick is not helping didn't. anyone else other than you. But part of what Bad job I part of what made it so hilarious is he ultimately turned it into like a parable about marriage. He right, because like, his 20 wife said, "I don't need it." His wife chimed in and said, "It's true. I'm down." She was yeah, like, "Great, it was amazing. I'm really into." It was, was kind of. We'll make it work. So, what sort of unholy <laughs> bargain has he made? You know, I, I'm just. I don't know. It's all you're, you're nervous. I I'm mean, just... I'd be nervous after he Jedi mind fucked Bill Belichick. That no, was the time loop. Well, he used our the time loop. Was used really our kiss. trick. Yeah. That was uh, our move. It's like the Holdo maneuver. I don't know. I'm trying to. Are do you a nervous Star Wars that you know? I, you know, I can't do a Star Good Wars stuff. thing. Are you um, nervous that um, you took number forty two? You took a linebacker. Do you remember what linebacker Ferguson. was? Two thousand sixteen. Correa. Oh, you're talking about the 2016 draft? Derrick Henry goes three picks later. That's he, fine. He filed that away. Come that, uh, Ravens Italian, didn't believe Hawaiian in me. Hawaiian name, right? Something Ravens didn't right. believe in me. No, I'm okay with that. You sure? <laughs> yeah. Revenge game. literally do that I'm with good. every... Revenge yeah. game. I'm good with that. I, um, I think where Derrick Henry went in the draft is ultimately appropriate. I don't think you should be worried about narratives or momentum or things that don't actually exist. I do think you should be worried about the fact that Ryan Tannehill has been deadly against the Blitz, which as you know all too well is what the Ravens have done to get pressure this season after losing Also, do you talent. really trust Marcus Peters? That, I, yeah, that was what I was going to yes. say next. Okay. Really trust him? I, I do. He's due. He is, he is due to he get is burned. Due. He's I'm Can't I've, you see A.J. Brown just... Yes. I've baked that into my calculus, but also... That's seven points. Baked he, seven points in your calculus. But also he had an all-pro season and has been exceptional. And insane. Peters and Humphrey, it, that's what gives me confidence against that blitz factor, is if if Tannehill beats the blitz, I trust, I trust the DBs. Do you, do you know, since Marcus Peters has joined the Ravens, what opposing quarterback's QBR is? When the Ravens go man zero, one. Yeah. It's fucking one. 
He's been so that. good, which means he's due for a bad game. No, he's going to play well. It's going to happen. is going to have an incredible game. I think Humphrey will have a great game. Lamar, I expect to be incredible. I'm excited to see if Ingram's healthy, what Gus Bus does. Uh, obviously, Mark Andrews and his health is key, but I Hold think on. Hayden Hurst. Gus Bus? Gus Bus. <laughs> tried to kind of Gus Edwards, the Gus Bus. Write that Gus Bus. Who decided that? The, the viewing public. When Gus Bus? Yeah. He's Googling the, this. The <laughs> Is, it, is this um, like a nickname we're trying to get going? Maybe get or? Justice Hill in there for a change of pace carry. All you should be worried about is getting hurt because the Chiefs are Nothing's coming up for Gus Bus. The Chiefs are terrifying. <laughs> Gus Bus. One good result for Gus Bus. I don't know. Kyle, have you ever I, heard I, of Gus Bus? From the movie The Bench Warmers, that's it. <laughs> it's real to me, Bill. Gus Bus. It's real to me. I think you should be really nervous. I am nervous, but I also feel confident. I, I'm looking for a big game out of Hayden Hurst. His emergence late in the season was a delight for me. Hayden Hurst. I will say yeah, that he's older than I am. Derrick Henry going against him in a playoff game on the Orioles right now was mortifying. It was really scary, and he I hated 14 it. Fourteen points on you. I know, but I fourteen points. I felt like he was getting six yards every single time. Every time. Points matter. I think that having the shift back to people doubting the Ravens a little bit is ultimately a good thing. Nobody's doubting them. You're getting nine and a half points. You, you just looked me points. in the eye and said you should be really nervous. We didn't talk about cold weather Lamar yet. This is, this is, this is, this is shit. my favorite thing. Um, to This is actually about. horseshit. Oh, no. Most, mostly this is annoying because I know you don't believe this and you just do it to make me mad. I saw it on the internet once. I was like, I'm just going to bring it up. <laughs> I saw Gus Bus on the internet cold once red. and you told me I can't was talk it, about that. Was it Lamar like on Ravens bus. Reddit or a actual I think Gus Bus is just something that my dad and I say. Okay, Probably. There we go. We get but, to the heart of the matter. You're worried about cold weather Russell Wilson. Yeah, because he's been bad and he has a much larger sample size to draw on. It's didn't less he, cold than Wisconsin. I know, it's really strange. Well, he played at NC State for most of his career. He was it's, a transfer it's to Wisconsin. It's the elements. It's not That's cold why he always Russell has a whole pack Wilson. of wolves. He's trying to, a whole pack of badgers trying to get the wolf pack and the Badgers fan bases Classic. acknowledged. I'm can surprised we, he doesn't mention his minor league stints with the Rockies while he's at it. Mm. Can we talk about Russell's hair? That was the it's, last thing. That was the last thing on my agenda. His hair looks great. It's out of control. It's natural. It's real. It's not dyed like some quarterbacks. It's a, it's <laughs> definitely a move, right? It's definitely it's a uh, Yeah, he's gone through some different iterations since State marrying Ciara. I'm, I support all of it. Do you feel like you have to support Ciara's music or no? I cannot name a Ciara song. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I can. It's a do that. recent one. Level up. I, you guys are looking at me. I got like Bob Dylan on my playlist here. Level up. So you think Ravens cover or no? Nine and a half. <sighs> I don't like nine and a half. Feels like a twenty-three to seventeen. Yeah, final. I think the Ravens win. I do think they could beat you though. Sure. Yeah. Anything. There's could a world happen. in which. Seven-minute drive to start the game. They kick a field goal. I do not. Lamar three and out. Mark Ingram limps off. He's got his calf is screwed up. If and the, then you just, you would know in the first quarter. If the Titans beat the Ravens, I will cut off my penis. It's not, it's not, <laughs> it's, it's not happening. I'm standing by that. You can, you guys can come at me. It's not happening. I appreciate your confidence. Well, this is great. Anything else? We we're covered really, everything? We're ending there. It's a good ending. <laughs> Anything I, else? You know. You want to talk about Jorah being at Con of Thrones? Let's do it. No, oh, I, I pull was over the car you right really, now. Really really pull over if you've got a daughter <laughs> in the car. Time to get lusty. Oh, 14-year-old. Should we talk about Pilot Pete for a second? You're the oh. other notable no, Seahawks no, fan oh, out the world. Don't the get new me bachelor? started. Don't get me started. He predicted on this. a Seahawks Ravens Super Bowl right here yeah, on Juliet Lippin's bachelor party. I know, party but pod. he's got a 12 tattoo. 
Which is not cool. What's what do you mean? That? It's not cool. Why? He got a Russell Wilson 12 tattoo? It's not a Russell Wilson. It's like, the, you know, the, the 12th the, the man. The 12, what, what's wrong with that? Oh, he got a 12th man <laughs> tattoo? <laughs> you get I it. think that's great. What's wrong with that? <sighs> There's two sections. That seems, what Seahawks tattoo would that you That seems get? a little... I have a Seahawks so, tattoo. It's there right you there. Go. Well, why are you judging? Because mine's cool and normal. Don't laugh. My... <laughs> Shine you. Um, there's there's two kinds of Seahawks fans. Ones who really embrace the 12 thing and yeah. action green and then the normal ones. Mm-hmm. And he apparently is in that group. I, there was going to be angry people. I don't care. It's not cool. It's I think it's cool. great. I support Peter. He's got the Harry Potter I'm trying scar to figure out how much I can mail. bribe Mina's husband to, if she passed out one night, to add an extra one to the tattoo. <laughs> if, if there's, so it could say you know, 49. Oh my god! No, I get another one. <laughs> Maybe I'll get a Ravens tattoo when they win the Super Bowl this year. Honestly, I'd never regret it. So you're out on Pete because you got a 12th man tattoo. But she Pilot has a Pete. Seahawks tattoo. Pilot Pete. Yeah, he also looks are like you a out young on Pilot Philip Pete Rivers as the to me. Oh, are we okay? Wow. Um, no, because oh, you don't. He looks like mm. young Philip Rivers. That's what I. Get. He looks what like look Anthony Rizzo. The yeah, he does look like Anthony. That's a really good call. Yeah, they've got like the um. Sheets. I'm not I'm not out on The Bachelor because for me, it's less about the lead. Same with The Bachelorette. It's more about how many crazies you've got. And mm-hmm. clearly, they've they've done well. Quite a cast. They really loaded up this year. What's the Much over like Brady's under? hoping the Pats are going to load up with weapons. <laughs> the Bachelor loaded up with weapons for Pete. He <laughs> four flight attendants. We are gone. Okay. There's a really he, weird energy in the season, though, because oh, yeah. the, the four times in one night thing. The, too much talk about the windmill. Too much. Way too much. And he like, was clearly not into it. Every time it came well, up, he looked really uncomfortable. Well, it puts really a lot of pressure on him. That's the thing. Part the of what's fun suite. about it is it's a thing we all know. When you constantly talk about it, it's just too much. Also, like to, not to go back to litigating what it means what that to do it. Nobody wants that. Ask Mike Rabel's wife. No one wants to have sex four times in one night. It's a lot. And I just still have the same question that I had back then, which is, does that mean he's really good at it or really bad at it? Nailed it. Well, or, the, or did he nail it? No, but the first one. Did he one, need four times to nail it? That's no, the question. The first one you're throwing out because there's a lot of pent up frustration. So that right. was like, that's almost like an app. The appetizers were brought out. Mm-hmm. Scored too quickly. It was over in 90 scored, seconds. Scored too quickly, much like the Titans will. <laughs> it's over in 90 <laughs> seconds. So the second one, then third. And out. then the morning one, I actually think the four makes sense. It was pent up for three months. How awkward was Hannah telling the clearly scripted oh story God, about it? The whole thing was like, that was really rough. you know, breaking every wall. I don't know. I didn't like it. I think Hannah seems about as desperate as anyone's ever been no, to keep the 15 no, minutes of no, fame. No, they that forced we've had. her on the show. She's contractually bound oh, to force. <laughs> She'll do anything. We'll be seeing her it's on unfair. reality for 10 years. Wait, oh, she's gonna, she's the. She'll be on MTV shows. She'll be on Love Island. She'll go the on challenge? anything. Are there's, you the one season 14? My thing is when you've been the bachelorette, there's a certain level of dignity dignity at that point <laughs> where you don't no. have to then grab every gig. Nah. I don't it's like I'll tell you, I'll say she'll this. go on Bachelor in Paradise. When she came sure. on, oh I know. Which is like she would. Purple. She would do it. Um when she came on, I was immediately struck by how much more compelling she was than literally every other woman. Who had his contestants? Their chemistry is legit. He clearly he's clearly in love with her. Yeah, and then, and now how am I supposed to watch the show now, knowing he's clearly in love with Hannah? Well, that'll be part of what makes it the most dramatic finale ever. Yeah, maybe it'll bring her back. I like, 
I like that they played the pilot card immediately. Too much. Too much. And you know, when he actually flew and it made me think like, how do they keep upping the stakes during the, with the dates? Because you know he's going to be flying dates different places. But here, but, uh, okay, that whole like Top Gun sequence. I thought that was hilarious. It was. He's literally hosing himself down. But did you notice that he's clean shaven there and he has a beard on the date and they're trying to make us think it's the same day? And when they're waving to him in the sky and he's, well, hi, ladies, he has no beard. And then they cut back to him and he's got four days of scruff. This is why you're doing culture and television Come on. I totally miss that. Don't try to trick me into thinking that's all happening at once. Can I ask you what your move would be getting out of the limo if you were one of the 40 people? I tell you. Would you do like a gimmick or would you hmm. just try to do a straight? What it would not be is making that dry joke. And then. then, No, and which already. Oh my God. Yikes. Then. To do it again. Circling back. And saying, "Eh, did you hear my joke? Oh, okay. I'll repeat it to you. Oh, okay. You missed. Like that was. That was so. Brutal. So. Did you hear my joke is always a tough opener. Think about what she actually said or really failed to say. She had to basically. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. You can't even. I was laughing so hard on the I know. She had to look at Peter She's and say, too. oh, you forgot that I implied that I'm wet for you. <laughs> and do that on national television. Oh, stick a turn. And he was like, yeah, I, yeah, no, yeah, I remember that was great. Wait, sorry. Uh, can you remind me what you said again? Oh, I was the one who said that it's the only dry thing about me. And then she had to cry. She cried with the cameras. And then the, the other one of the other contestants went to her and said, do you need a towel? And I was like, because she's so wet or because she's <laughs> crying? Like, I've lost the thread here. It was really something. My move coming out of the limo. Somewhere even. a dad is driving his daughter. <laughs> so I thought he was just getting a football preview. Listen, it's on the ABC. Bill Simmons podcast. You know? My move, I'm too old to be on The Bachelor, but my move would have been back in the day. (laughs) You get out of the limo, because it's always somebody you've seen before, right? They never have a fresh bachelor or bachelorette that we don't have some sort of experience with. I think you come out, you don't have any gimmicks, Mm -hmm. and you just say, I never in my life thought I would ever want to be on a show like this, Mm -hmm. but I knew it was my only chance to meet you. Wow. I'm so happy to be here, and then go in. That's so corny. Why? That's what you would do? Yeah. I'd just be honest. Be like, I would never want to be on a show like this, but you're here and that's why I'm here. Let me throw out one alt. What if you said that your sense of humor was the only dry thing about you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. So you don't think that line worked ultimately? Uh, no, she was definitely the, the producer said he had to keep her for a couple more weeks. She was cute though. For sure. They're all, he had beautiful women. She was cute. My daughter. He's clearly, he's clearly hooked up with Kelly. Oh, a thousand percent. Uh, Thank you. I mean, come on. Right. We met at a hotel lobby. Yes. What does that even mean? Nothing. Nobody meets in a hotel lobby. hotel lobby? No. Ridiculous. And the way that he picked her up on the Put yeah. her on the bar and then spread her legs. No, but then he like moved them it's back, like, like what's side. No, happening here. He realized she was wearing a dress and he shifted it to side saddle. Once he, you know. this is it. Reminded me a lot of last the, season. He yes. did all all the awkward sexual moves last season. Yes, the pool table. Yeah. Peter is clearly very sexy, and yeah. I'm I'm a fan of Peter. He yeah. obviously has a lot of chemistry with these women. Just I said this last last year. Like he has the or during Hannah season, he has real like studied up from movies. Sex oh, vibes. Oh, interesting. Like, this is how you pick up a woman. This is how you sweep a woman's hair. I, the rest of Tyler is all natural to you. There's no studying. That's just organic. It's organic. Tyler, the panderer. Five-star <laughs> prospect still. I know. All those clips, they're in the same place where I keep the 2014 NFC <laughs> <laughs> 
At, tell me if this is good parenting or bad parenting. Oh my my daughter has seen enough Bachelor seasons. She watched the opener with me and my wife. Mm-hmm. And when he was making the picks at the end, he picked somebody. And she goes, oh, that's a producer's pick. Whew. That's great. That's no, it's great. Not is bad. It, but she's astute. already like seeing the Matrix. She's like, seeing the Matrix. Really young and to an know. astute viewer. Her show, she loves the show Siesta Key on MTV. Which now has Robbie Hayes. That's right. right. So that's Robbie's right. on it. That's right. She, and he's loathsome. But then the <laughs> big thing really is longstanding tradition of his. Yeah. One of one of the young ladies on this show who can't be more than twenty one or twenty two. The big reveal this season is she started dating one of those Siesta Key producers who's forty six. Oh, and it is like a chainsaw in a hot tub with how it's gone over. It's that is, in my opinion, a better wow. show than The Bachelor. Siesta Key. If you're just going pure garbage. Siesta Key delivers good. Bachelor is padding it. The three-hour shows are just like— It's not going well, to—that was just a— I think that the was Hannah just about the Hannah. But yeah, each yeah. one's at least two. It's just—you watch it. I've never seen Siesta Key, but the videos, like the cinematic quality looks tremendous compared to The Bachelor. I don't know why that is. Any sort Mina, of like I will cut setting. off your penis if you don't like Siesta <laughs> Key. It's fantastic. <laughs> It's really good. I'll give it a it's shot. It's my daughter's oh absolute my favorite show. She follows all of them on Instagram. It's hilarious. Great stuff. It's like, Chloe, Chloe's going at it with so-and-so on Instagram. I'm like, why? Can you study? Can you do <laughs> something else? Mina, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Is there me. an ESPN show left that you haven't hosted? <laughs> no, but if you're listening to this, I now host a daily podcast. Oh, yeah, we ESPN didn't talk about that. Daily. Yeah, it's every day. And so when are you taping this? We had Jackie Mac on today. We do them the day before. Or the night before for like football and stuff, but mostly the day before. What did Jackie Mack talk about? Um, she just did a piece with Kurt Goldsbury on like the decline of the big man and had a lot of humorous, angry quotes from Shaq on it. And oh. yeah, everyone great, should listen to the Lamar episode. And Mallory, done, done do you have Lamar a podcast? Episodes. I do. It's called Binge Mode. I've heard of it. Check it out. Check it out, folks. How many Star Wars episodes left? Uh, six. Leave six. Mm. Near in the end. I have you for a couple rewatchables. And I'm ready. Then once you're done with this whole run, I'm ready, man. Did you have you? You haven't been on rewatchables, right? No, I think I suggested one to you. What did I suggest? Clueless. Oh hell yeah! You want to do Clueless with me? That would be incredible. <laughs> oh my god, I used to watch Clueless every other. I know. I've seen it so many times. I feel like we did it, but we could do the re-clueless. We've we've, we've done a hundred. No, I don't even remember if we did or not. But I, we've done a hundred. I think we might have. But I think we want to redo some of the classics with different hosts and just mm. kind of rerun it back. So that's what Chris Ryan and I are doing, the reheat. The reheat. Mm. We did heat five years ago, and we're just doing it again with the category. They're going to do now. it forever mm. for the rest yeah. of time. Just I will say the again. one next week, we did three with Tarantino, and the one next week is King of New York. And he's super comfortable in it and says three things that I think are going to be a huge deal with movie nerd Twitter. Like provocative things, like real things, like real things that Spicy will become takes. like going to Wikipedia really? pages and stuff. Are yeah. any of them about Mike Vrabel's penis? <laughs> None of them are about Mike Vrabel's penis. Nina Mallory, thank you as always. All right, we're calling house in a second to do million dollar picks first. Twenty twenty is finally here. The best events in sports are coming up, like conference championship Sunday. That's next week. The NBA in full swing. Golf, a lot of golf. Joe House is. On the uh, on the whole golf front, well, FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one online sportsbook for a reason. They've got all the bets you want. They got a great, easy to use app. New promotions every day, and once you win, they get your cash fast. And if you've been holding out on trying FanDuel Sportsbook, now's the time because right now, FanDuel Sportsbook 
is giving new users their first bet risk-free. That means you can place any bet within seven days of signing up. FanDuel Sportsbook will refund you up to 500 bucks in site credit if you don't win. So we're about to do million-dollar picks. The tease that House and I lay out a million-dollar picks, that would be the bet I would recommend for your risk-free bet on FanDuel, but you'll have to wait. I don't, I don't want to ruin the suspense, but that tease, you'll know when you hear the word tease, that's the one I would do. Hey, when's the last time your bookie gave you a do-over? I bet he didn't. To claim your risk-free bet, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app from the iOS app store or visit fanduel.com slash Android. Be sure to use promo code BS so they know we sent you. That's promo code BS. It's that easy to get your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. 21 plus present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Indiana. Site credit non-withdrawable expires 14 days after receipt. Terms and restrictions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, it's Million Dollar Picks time. With us is the world's biggest uh, functional degenerate, Joe House. Uh, We have Sober House today, not Drunk House, sadly. But last week, even though I only won 50,000 based on this Million Dollar Picks gimmick we're doing, out of principle, trying to go for the 11 and 0 playoffs that I've been trying to go for basically the entire time I've had a column dating back to my old website. Uh, I made straight up picks on all four and got all four. I'm four and 0 right now, House. You you got the picks right. You didn't get the betting right, which is you know, um, I I I guess congratulations. Yeah, I won fifty thousand, but. I lost because I had Saints Titans as a tease, but I also had the Vikings against the Saints. So I, I thought that game was going to be close. I was right. I did not expect you like that Kirk Cousins to win it. We might as well start there. You had Kirk Cousins as your quarterback for years. You laughed. You cackled when he signed with Minnesota. You love wagering against him. You don't believe in him. You've mocked him many times. Now he has a playoff win house. Well, he he is a competent quarterback. He's not incompetent. He's wildly overpaid relative to his talent and his ceiling. That's the the reason for any uh amusement and amusement on 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 my side of the coin. Um but look, the Vikings quite smartly have crafted a team to put Kirk Cousins in the very best position uh, for him to succeed. Dalvin Cook is the key to the Minnesota Vikings, and Dalvin Cook was the 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 most important player in that game uh, last week. Do you disagree with that? No, that's fair. And I think he has a chance to be and the what, most important player in this week's game. I agree with you. And 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 you know, for that reason, I'm 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 leaning Vikings. So let's go through the games. And then for the people listening, I have some props that I also want to do because there's some tasty props this week. But let's let's zip through all the games because we talked about them with uh, Mallory and Mina. So I just want to go through quickly. Niners-Vikings. Niners favored by seven. Vikes outdoor this, outdoors this year, two and four. The big reason why I like the Vikes, there's two big reasons actually. One is I actually think they're they're quote unquote peaking at the right time, which we always hear in January. There's always a couple of teams quote unquote peaking at the right time. You never know if it's actually true, but their front seven was really impressive on the road in that New Orleans game against the New Orleans offense. That's good. And uh, I thought they harassed Breeze. I thought they 
took away Thomas and Kamara to some degree, although Sean Payton did as well. And on the other side, they were able to run the ball and Cousins was able to make a couple big plays. It's a team that seems to think it's good. You can kind of sense like that there's a confidence with them. I don't think they're going to be afraid of going into San Francisco against Jimmy G, against a Niners team that has a nucleus that has never really been in a playoff game other than Richard Sherman. And I, that stadium's weird. It's big. It's, it's a little like Giant Stadium. I don't think it's necessarily a home field advantage. But the thing that I that really stands out to me, if you're just looking at the Niners the last eight weeks of the season, they win in Arizona on a Thursday night, 28-25, a game they they that was way closer than it should have been. Week 10, they lose to Seattle in OT. Week 11, they play Arizona again. They win 10. That game was also like a little bit closer than the score. They kill Green Bay. That's the one kill game they have. Lose to Baltimore in bad weather by three. They beat New Orleans in New Orleans by two in the most entertaining game of the year, but a game where nobody could stop anybody. They lose to Atlanta in what may have been a trap game, but was also a game that they they kind of needed because it would have solved a lot of number one seed stuff. And Atlanta just flat out beat them at home. They barely beat the Chargers at home in week 16 in a game that didn't totally mean a lot because everybody knew the week 17 game was going to mean a lot. And then they, they edged out Seattle in week 17. House, I just don't see a lot of definitive ass kickings in that two-month stretch other than the one Green Bay game where they just got on Green Bay's ass from the get-go. That's what makes me the most nervous about laying the seven is I think Minnesota has a chance to win. And I'm also not convinced that Seattle, that San Francisco is one of those lay the smack down at home and around two teams. Even though I think they have a really good chance to win the Super Bowl, I kind of want to see it. Where do you stand? I think that's a, a perfectly fair... Uh, request and a gambling perspective that makes sense. It's a it's a show me kind of game. I like one observation you made about the Vikings and their attitude, which is they think that they are they belong in this class of of playoff teams. They don't they don't come in with an attitude of you know everything from here on out is gravy. And I will remind you, they went on an ass-kicking stretch in the middle of the season before Dalvin Cook got hurt. Yeah, they ripped off like an eight and two stretch. The Vikings did. They they could they had a, a legit chance at laying claim as being the best team in the NFC. Right, um, coming, uh, you know, through through kind of week four all the way up to like week. I don't remember what the stretch was, but I'm calling it was, it was impressive. I'm going to call it up right now. They had from it's basically from week five to week eleven, but they. They beat up the Giants and the Eagles. They beat up Detroit. They beat up Washington. Lost a close one to Kansas City at Kansas City. Beat Dallas, beat Denver. And then they lost to Seattle at Seattle. And that was, Cook actually played that game. But yeah, I mean, they, they had it going there. I, I With Cook and if Thielen, if Thielen's questionable for the game, parentheses stitches, I don't even, it's a little scary. But um. You know, I'm trying to think of a scenario where they just get their ass kicked, which is always conceivable with, you know, they fall behind early on the road. San Francisco's run the ball down their throats. Kittle makes a big play. A Cousins throws a bad pick. Like, there's a roadmap for them to get beaten, but I just like the seven. I, I think this yeah, feels like that's... a three-point game. And the, the other thing is, like, couldn't you say, potentially, from just a talent ceiling standpoint, the three best teams in the NFC 
San Francisco one, and then Minnesota slash New Orleans as the other two. If you're going to pick a top three, Minnesota ends up outlasting New Orleans and OT. But I think Minnesota's the second best team left that I feel the best about. What do you think? In, ter- in terms of talent, and, and and I agree with that too. And and by contradistinction, you know, there is all of this weight of evidence that runs against beautiful Jimmy G. Um, right. And you know he's going to you know, throw as a, as you know he's going to throw one to them whether they catch it or drop it. We'll see, but we know he's throwing them one. Yeah, and and you know, this this phenomena quarterbacks making their first start in the postseason, the stats are terrible. They're 15 and 32 straight up. They're 13 and 33 against the spread. Oof. Last week we had three such quarterbacks. They went one and two. Mother effing Tannehill being the only winner. Yeah, but, um, who by the way then, threw but, for 72 yards. Yeah, they're right, exactly. And then uh first time starting quarterbacks as home favorites, terrible against the spread over like the last 15, 20 years. Four and seventeen against the spread. Oof. So like that there's a reason that those numbers reflect, you know, that level, that lack of success. The guy with the ball in his hands, you know, every single uh play on the offensive end hasn't been under this kind of pressure before. So it's I, I think seven is too much. I'm with you. I like the Vikings. Yeah, and if this was at the NFC title game, I'm not sure the line would be seven. And it's just like, because it's round two and the Minnesota's on the road second week in a row, all that stuff. I uh, Here's the final reason why I'm going to take Minnesota plus seven. As you know, I made a big bet on the Niners to win the Super Bowl before the playoffs. Yes. One of, one of the reasons I made that bet was because I thought they were going to play whoever came out of that Seattle Philly game. I did okay. not I did not expect the Vikings. I especially did not expect the healthy Vikings coming off just an awesome playoff win in New Orleans where I thought they outplayed them. I thought they deserved to beat New Orleans and you know, then it comes down to a coin toss, they get it all that stuff. But I'm just nervous about that bet, which tells me I should probably stick with my instincts, take the 7. All right, so that's that's where we'll go in the first game. Second game, Ravens-Titans. And I I really want to take the Titans here. I even, like, I was having fun with Mallory when she was on the pod about all the red flags and all the stuff. I did a stat. I'm going to redo it here just quickly about what Henry did those last two weeks where each game he had over 32 carries and over 180 yards, week 17 and then the playoff game. Just how rare that is. And I looked that up on Pro Football Reference and it was way, way more rare than I expected. It's it's basically happened four times in the history of the NFL. And then if you're talking about just somebody doing it two weeks in a row in the playoffs, because I think we would both agree he probably needs 30 plus carries in this game if they're going to win, right? They're going to have to control the clock. Right. He's going to have to do what he did last week. Yeah. The only parallel in the history of the NFL in the playoffs to what Derrick Henry would have to do for Tennessee to stay in this game, which I think is like 30 plus carries, 140 plus yards, is a man very, very, very dear and near and close to your heart. Do you know who that man is? No. It's your man, John Riggins. Oh, I was going to say Riggo, but I, I just couldn't, you know, it's such a different era of football. I was I, I, I was trying to think about a playoff run. Okay. 
Yeah, and if you're just talking about just guy, just guys doing this for three weeks in a row, the only real guy I could find, I said this earlier, was Jerome Harrison on Cleveland the last like basically three weeks of the of the season in 2009. You're talking about Riggins. Um, where is it? So 1982, four straight weeks because they had the strike season, so they kind of blew out the playoffs that year. But the last three weeks of that run when you beat Minnesota, Dallas, and Miami in the Super Bowl, it was 37 carries, 36 carries, 38 carries, 185, 140, 166. So if you're making a case Tennessee can win this game, you're basically saying for the first time in 40 years, we're reliving John Riggins on the 82 Redskins. And I'm not ready to go there. <laughs> that's that's not that doesn't clinch it for you now and then I think you know in the uh, in the opposite of what we talked about with uh, San Francisco maybe not really putting teams away the second half of the year I think Baltimore has shown the ability to score points in fast and in bulk to extend leads to turn the Jets on to get pick sixes and all kinds of stuff like that they also have a way better special teams. And that's another thing that didn't really surface last week with Tennessee. They, I think they're on like their fourth kicker, but, um, you know, and then the fact that Tannehill last week literally threw for 72 yards and you're not going to be able to do that two weeks ago. Baltimore is way better equipped to at least try to slow down Henry. His over under, which we're going to come back to later for the game is 92 and a half rushing yards. Hmm. If he goes over that, he would basically be doing something nobody in the uh, in the NFL playoffs has done since John Riggins. So, you know, Baltimore, all the advanced numbers say they are one of they had one of the ten greatest regular seasons of any football team ever since we were measuring DVOA. They have shown the ability to just bandwagon beat the shit out of people week to week, and they're catching this Tennessee team that if Tennessee falls behind and has to play down 10, they're not really like a drop back team. Everything is set up from Henry in the play action. It's one of those games where once Baltimore passes a certain point and they're up 10 or they're up seven or whatever it is, and Tennessee has to just start throwing the ball, I'm not sure they can do it. And I I, I just don't want to take Tennessee and then feel like an idiot when Baltimore's up 14 to three. So I think I'm going to lay the nine and a half. What do you think? Um. Laying the nine and a half—that's that's the way that I would um, play it as well. But it—I think it sets up better for a tease. That's that's so we have some other games that I think you can you can go ahead and and work that down to Baltimore, uh, just to a, to a gentle three and a half. Right. right. So I mean, Baltimore's won eight of their last ten wins have been by double digits. Let's just push them down to, to a number that feels a little bit better. I was so seven point tease is minus one thirty. So if you bet $130, you win 100 And you can get Baltimore down to two and a half, so ba- which is where I want to be with the tease because I just want to be three and up on it. And you want to be through the three. Sure. Yeah, I want to be like, so if they win by three, I still win. And then yeah. you could move the Chiefs, which we're about to talk about, to two and a half as well against Houston. And that is minus 130. Basically, Chiefs and Ravens just have to win by three points. And just pivot in that game really quick. I think the Texans, just them getting to week 19 is 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 already a win for them. I don't think they should have won last week. I don't think they're very good. I think this Chiefs team got better in the last six weeks, unlike a couple of the other teams we've talked about. 
I like their pass rush. I think it's going to be a problem against that Texans offensive line, which, you know, I, Watson, especially the first two and a half quarters, really looked terrible. And it was almost like the announcers were afraid to talk about it. But then you talk about on the flip side where the Chiefs just have so many ways to all of a sudden get a 50-yard touchdown. You know, not to mention Kelsey. I was not impressed by the Texans' pass rush last week against Buffalo. And if Mahomes has time with all the weapons he has and the whole thing, I guess my one fear would be just laying a lot of points with Andy Reid. The line is nine and a half points and just Andy's playoff history. And we've been on both sides. I remember one year you got absolutely just all time demolished. What was that? What was that? Like two, three years ago? They lost yes, at home. Yes, they were hosting the Tennessee Titans and uh, Mariota threw a ball that was deflected and then caught it and ran it in for a touchdown. He he collected his own pass <laughs> right. and scored a touchdown. And then and Harrison Butker missed a field goal in the second half that would have also protected the wager. Uh, I was butt-fucked by Butker, Butker <laughs> and I had the, the, uh, the, the Mariota you know, uh, circle of life, the, the pass and catch. So, I mean, that was a lesson from the gambling gods. I, I, that was a big number that I took down too. Yeah. You had a big money line bet. And when you did it, Sal and I were like, what are you doing? It's Andy Reed. You can't do this. And you were like, no, 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 it's Mariota. And it turned out you lost money on Mariota's like one great NFL moment that he's had. Yeah, the he, only moment. That's he's really of, it. He's out of the league though. He's yeah. he's going to be the backup on whoever is QB in the Pats next year is where what he's looking at for next year. So that's my one fear is just the, the history with the Chiefs. But I do think there's a narrative setting up, especially with the Pats out of the way for, you know, Chiefs-Ravens next week, the bloodbath to see who becomes kind of the new patriarch of the AFC. You know, and and it's a it's an unbelievable storyline and an unbelievable game. I mean, it's what we're rooting for, right? Yeah, it's not only what we're rooting for, but it just kind of feels like the destiny of how this has to play out, where the Pats have stepped aside, and now it's time to find out Mahomes versus Lamar, who's going to own the 2020s. We're starting here, and this will be the first game. I love it. Not to mention the whole, uh, you know, Andy Reid. Never won a Super Bowl. He's never been to a Super Bowl with the Chiefs. Could this be the year? I just... I just, you, the narratives always seem to unfold right around now. And it just feels like that's going to be a narrative. So um, I'm going to lay the points with the Chiefs. I actually feel probably the best about that one because I don't, I just don't think Houston's good enough. The only thing that would worry me is the garbage time touchdown late, the Chiefs going up 30 to 10, and then Deshaun getting two late touchdowns that mean nothing or, you know, however that plays out. So, and then our fourth game which some would say is the most complicated and confusing game. It's going to be the Seahawks hosting, I'm sorry, going to uh, Lambeau Field to play the Packers. I, I mentioned this earlier. I'm going to mention it for you too. The Packers since week nine, 11 points, 24 points, eight points, 31 against the Giants, 20 against your Redskins, 21 against the Bears, 23 at Minnesota, and then 23 at Detroit. It's a team that seems to settle in the low 20s. There's a whole Packers Seahawks history. I could see the Seahawks winning this game potentially. It feels like a three-point game to me, 
and it's Packers minus four. And I think either team could win. So my my instinct is always to take the points with this. What do you think, House? Totally agree with that. Um, I the, the, These teams have played, you know, super close with each other. It is kind of weird. The home team has won in the the over the last eight times they've played the home team has won and and the home team has gone six one and one against the spread and it's also the case that in 13 of the last 14 games the home team has won yeah um but but Green Bay can win and not not cover four so I mean it's I don't know how you distinguish between these these two teams I have heard a lot of the the NFL commentariat out there. Um, arguing that Green Bay um, has been, uh, you know, vastly overrated all season long, and that they they backed into this bye week, uh, you know, um, opportunity, and and folks are pointing to their failure to show up against San Francisco. So they did beat Minnesota in Week 16, but the Minnesota running back situation was a mess in that game. Um, I I keep coming back to the narratives and trying to figure out what everyone will be talking about next week. And if Green Bay did end up winning, you'd have this whole Rodgers going against the Niners, the team that passed them up. We'd be hearing about that all week. If Minnesota somehow beats San Francisco, Green Bay could potentially be hosting Minnesota in round three, which doesn't feel right to me. Or if Seattle won this game and now it's Seattle, San Francisco, the third, third battle of the trilogy. I guess would be all the different outcomes. I have this weird feeling Seattle's going to win, and I can't explain it. I, which makes me want to take the points, but um, they they've just they're really they've had a really strange season. As Kevin Clark always says, every game they have is the weirdest game ever. There's a whole history of these two teams, and when push comes to shove, I would rather bet against Rodgers than Wilson. As crazy as that sounds. I think Wilson is terrible. I think Wilson... At home? Wilson is the most terrifying QB to me now. Lamar will grab the title when he has a couple playoff wins, but I'm just talking for one game. I always feel like if if Wilson's down four, down three, whatever, I just feel like he's going to get it done. He's got the most confidence. He pulls the most plays out of his asshole. Over and over again, he, he'll he make these crazy throws in the last inch of the end zone where the guy catches it. And I just, I think he's the guy now for big games. And I'm not sure Rodgers, I haven't really loved the year he had. I don't feel like he's the guy like that anymore. So I like the Seahawks I, plus four. Yeah, I, the, the only thing I would say is uh, this this could on, it's, it's, it's a close one. I'm not, you know, I'm not, quibbling with you. I'm not arguing at all. I'll, this could be the end of the run for Seattle and their sort of uh, way above average performance on the road this yeah. season. You know, they're, 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 the point differential um, that they have is not uh, commensurate with their, their record and their right. outside success on the road is also not sustainable. And Aaron Rodgers at home in the playoffs is incredible against the spread and straight up. Yep. Um, so if there's any any reason to tilt, I, I think it's fine to like lean into Green Bay a little bit. But it's a stay away to me, honestly. I don't, I don't, I don't know what what way to to grab this game. I don't love it either. 
I just haven't loved what I've seen from Green Bay this season. And it's always like right. they, they'll look really good for a quarter and a half. They'll re- look really good for two quarters. You know, and if you if you study how both teams have behaved this year, it's probably going to start out with Green Bay up 10 nothing or 13 nothing or 13-3, and then Seattle clawing back, and then the game will be on. But you're right. Rodgers right. at home in the playoffs has been really remarkable. I'm not as sold on his supporting cast this year. I don't. I, well, Aaron I mean, Jones Aaron Jones is been, great. I'm talking, about, ni- I'm talking about receivers. No, I'm talking about receivers. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. But I think the Seahawks can shut down Jones, though, at least a little bit. They've been pretty good. They shut well, down uh, the dudes last week. It's going to be cold. So, I mean, it could be like a rushing game. I, I What's what's the over-under? 47. We're not allowed to bet over-unders. We don't, we don't deal with over-unders. Daddy likes the under. Daddy likes the under. I agree. I think this is the one. I This is the game that I like the least. Yeah. Well, you, you have to pick it because you're 4-0 right now. I know. I'm going to take the points and hope that... Homer doesn't fumble and Metcalf can make a couple plays and the Seahawks okay. will just continue to play weird games. But yeah. Metcalf, they, by the way, what a revelation. Oh my God. Yeah. There's a world in which the Packers just kill the Seahawks and everybody feels stupid that, Oh, why didn't we know they barely beat the Eagles and you go through it. And, but I do think yeah, and the Packers are playing at home at Lambeau. I do feel like San Francisco is the best team in the league other than the Ravens. I think they're one, a one B and, uh, and the fact that Seattle played San Francisco so tough those two times, I think really matters. Um, okay. Especially because the Packers got the crap kicked out of them by the uh, by the Niners. All right. Um, couple props before we get to what we're actually doing. Highest scoring team of the weekend. Chiefs plus 60, Ravens two to one. What 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 is the Chiefs? The Chiefs are plus 160. If you think they will score the most points out of the eight teams this weekend. And the and the Ravens are two to one? Ravens are two to one. So the only knock on the Ravens would be that Tennessee's only chance to win the game is by running the ball, so you get less touches out of the Ravens. Yes. But on the other hand, the Ravens might score every time they touch the ball. So Yeah, the, so the case against the Ravens would be low-scoring game, ugly... Um, there's seven minutes left in the first quarter before the Ravens even get the ball, less possessions, and it's like a 21 to 17 type game. If you thought Titans were going to cover, if you think the Ravens are going to blow them out, then it's 27 to 10. Tannehill throws a pick, et cetera, et cetera. And they pour it on. I personally like the Chiefs plus 160. I like it too. I like, I like getting plus odds. The Kansas City is first. In the NFL and third down conversion this season, what rank do you think the Houston Texans have in defending third down conversion? Oh, they're uh, low, right? Aren't they like 30th? <laughs> yes. 31st. Correct. That's right. So here's so another. We like that. Another prop. We like that. Another prop. <laughs> Chiefs, te- Chiefs Texans, largest lead, 17 and a half. What are the odds? Even. Oh, I don't like that. Give you got to give me some juice. Eighteen points, I, to, but it can to, be at any point back. of the game. Any point of the game, Chiefs are up eighteen or Texans. I'm just so I'm just, if you believe if you're going to play the Chiefs to win uh, the weekend in terms of point scoring, and you don't think the Texans are going to be able to hold on to the ball, 
Chief, I don't, Chiefs no. blow out, basically. 17 and a half yeah. is smart. But I like the highest scoring more a little more if you like the Chiefs. Because you like you get the you get the, the juice that way. Plus one sixty. Interception bets. Cousins to throw a pick is minus one fifty. Jimmy G is minus one sixty five. Tannehill is minus one seventy five. Interestingly, Rodgers is plus 140 to throw a pick, and he doesn't usually throw picks at Lambeau. Um, yeah. You can do a Cousins Tannehill interception parlay. It's plus 152. Each one of them just has to throw one of them. But I like this one a little more. Jimmy G and Tannehill is plus 162. Yeah, that's the one I like the best. By far, bar none. Because you're getting Jimmy G in his very first playoff game ever, and you're getting Tanny Hill in a situation where he's likely to throw the ball more than the ten times he threw it against the Patriots last week. My bad. It's plus one fifty two. It's plus one sixty two if you put Cousins in there instead of Jimmy. So plus one fifty two. Jimmy Jitters just giving us one. The thing is, he's gonna throw them one. It's just a question of whether they catch or not. But he will throw one that some Minnesota player has in both of his hands. And whether he holds on to it or not. And then Tannehill, I think, is a lock to throw pick, especially if you think the Ravens are gonna handle their business and Tannehill's gonna have to throw a lot in the second half and stuff like that. He'll throw in. He tried to throw one of the Pats. We caught it. He did try and throw one of the Pats. He, exactly. He, right. he was like, I'm sorry, I haven't thrown you guys one yet. Here's one. I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw. A, <laughs> I'm gonna throw an alley oop pass to two defensive backs. So, all right. So we like. Uh, we like that one. We like Jimmy G and Tannehill plus one sixty two. We'll put a little on that. Derrick Henry plus. Uh, I'm sorry, ninety two and a half rushing yards for Derrick Henry. If you think the Ravens are gonna, I'm gonna stay away from this because he puts the fair guy to me. But the case for making this bet is if you think the Ravens are going to beat the Titans pretty handily, if you think Derrick Henry is not going to make history and basically be the first person ever to have three straight 25 to 30 carry 100 plus yard games in a row, or he's going to be the first one since John Riggins, if you think that's not going to happen, you probably want to bet the under on this. The end of it, that seems like a high number. If, Which, 92 and a half? Yeah, because if they fall behind, he's not going to be running the ball as much. If anything, they'd be throwing more screens to him and things like that. I'm going to stay away from that, but I wanted to mention it. And then the last one, Lamar, over one and a half TD passes, minus 200. Mahomes. Oh my God, come on. Mahomes, over one and a half TD passes, minus 235. Parlayed together, which you're allowed to do because yeah. it's different games, plus yeah. 114. Now we're talking. Lamar Mahomes. I knew you'd like this one. (laughs) I love the player prop parlay, the triple P parlay. This is the dumbest bet of the week. I absolutely adore it. I'm going to put a big number on this one, a big juicy one on this one. It gets a wet kiss from me. So it's fun to root for. You're just rooting. We're going to be betting on those teams in some form anyway. And then we just need them to cooperate with a couple touchdowns. The plus 114 is fun. There you go. So They want to cooperate. They're our friends. They've been doing it all season long. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. You agree on the seven-point tees with the Chiefs-Ravens? Oh, yes, I do. Okay. We are going to put 
Here's million dollar picks. This we're gonna do the money part first. Six hundred and fifty k to win five hundred. Seven point T's. Chiefs down to two and a half. Ravens down to two and a half. Both of them have to win by three. So we're gonna do that. We're gonna put two hundred k on the Lamar Mahomes TD pass parlay. <laughs> Plus one fourteen. We're doing that. We're going to sprinkle a little bit on the Jimmy Tanhill interception parlay. Plus, just a, yeah, a little. Plus 152. Both Jimmy and Tannehill will throw an interception. 100K on that. Plus 152. I'm going to stay away from the highest scoring team of the weekend because I can't decide between those sure. two bets. All right. Here's what we're doing on the individual games we are putting 200K. On the Vikings plus seven, the Ravens minus nine and a half, the Chiefs minus nine and a half, and the Seahawks plus four. Spreading them around. Did I go too high in the TD pass parlay or do you love it? What the No. Did okay. you go too high? No. You didn't go high enough. That's <laughs> going to be my biggest bet of the weekend. I love that bet. <laughs> okay. So there we go. So here's what we need. I need to go 8-0 by having two favorites of two underdogs win. We need the Chiefs and Ravens to take care of business. We need TD passes from Lamar and Mahomes. And we need Jimmy G to throw us one. And we need Tannehill to throw us one. And weirdly, all of those bets are related in a way where we're all rooting for the same thing at all times. The the four teams we backed. I feel good about this house. I kind of like round two. It's fun. It's it's We're getting serious now. Real stuff is happening. All right, before we go, you had one thing you want to talk about with the Jim Bayline thing. Yeah, well, I have an apology. I want to make an apology to, to nephew Kyle. I'm not sure you saw the news today. Jim Bayline had a very emotional apology to his team. He he called them thugs, and and apparently he's claiming he didn't realize it, uh, that he'd used that, that, that term. He meant to say slugs. He says, well, I, I have my own emotional apology I have been calling nephew Kyle a runt for like, I don't know, 10 weeks now. <laughs> Kyle the runt. And somebody just 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 today sent me a tweet. I've been apparently it's been beeped out because I've been calling him Kyle the <laughs> would I I wouldn't would I dare call nephew Kyle a even though the combination of his proficiency at production and his attention to detail is a, is is occasionally like I would I would prefer and always you know I'm a stand up guy I would be calling him the diminutive he's he's a runt he's a he's a small fellow he's a a, a small uh, capacity you don't want to ask too much of a runt but boy if if I've been calling Kyle a for for twelve weeks I really would like to apologize. Uh, I was going to tell you that you were doing that. I didn't realize, you know, sometimes people, they get words mixed up or a letter, they get confused. And I, I figured that's what you were saying, but we were bleeping it out anyway, because I didn't know what you meant. But now that's, I'm glad we know. Now you're calling him a runt the whole time. So <laughs> I've been calling him a runt. Some, some people have even said Kyle's been a little runty <laughs> at times. You well, too, Bill. You too. I, <laughs> I just don't want I don't want the ringer team to turn their back on me because I've been calling Kyle a <laughs> all this time. <laughs> well, I'm glad you profusely apologized to Kyle. I think it was heartfelt. I think everyone here at the ringer 
could feel the real emotion. And I think, honestly, totally explainable thing. You know, two words that are pretty close. And I, I'm glad you came clean. I appreciate it. All right. There we go. We're House, all on the same team here. Let's win some money. Let's win some money! All right. Thanks so much to ZipRecruiter. Thanks to Mina Kimes. Don't forget about her new podcast, ESPN Daily, that you can subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. If you liked her on this one, I guarantee you'll like her on that one. Don't forget about Mallory's podcast, Binge Mode Star Wars, heading down the home stretch. Don't forget about Joe House's podcast, Fairway Rolling, which comes back beginning of February, and he also has House of Carbs, where he breaks down food as well. And don't forget about Book of Basketball and the Rewatchables, where there's a lot of action on both feeds. Check it all out. And we'll be back on Sunday night with the Cuz, hopefully breaking down another awesome weekend of football. A weekend that, sadly, Kyle, will we not include- be regular people. Will not include the Patriots of New England. Fuck it. 8-0, right? Let's go. Let's go 8-0 with your bets, man. That's all we have left? <laughs> Fuck it. Are you all right at round two without the Pats? This hasn't happened to you since you were like, I don't even know if you had armpit hair. 2009. I wasn't a math major. You're, I was born in 93. Yeah, so you're like 15 or 16. All right, so you had armpit hair. You couldn't drive. Well, you're back. I'm back. No pats. Hopefully this will be an aberration. Uh, enjoy the weekend. See you on Sunday night.